The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. I know these chairs are kind of weird, but they're the fucking best chairs that I've ever found for oh, no, sitting like for it. long hours at a time. I like it. It's called a Capisco, and is it fully? What's the name of the company that makes them? They're the shit. The best ergonomic chairs I've ever had. They're the only for podcasting. Because if you think you want to be like comfortable and like like a nice like. Uh, one of those cool chairs with the buttons in it, you know, that people would sit and smoke cigars. After a while, your oh, back no. would hurt. It's like you don't really, you have to kind of stay upright. That makes sense. But these are the best. I like it. The mm-hmm. other one was just like so tall. Yeah, the other, there's some of these, it's weird because they're the same company or the same co- they're the same chair, but I think different people made them and some of them get real low. This one doesn't get yeah, very it's low. Hag is the main company, I guess. Oh, so this, they've changed like yeah. twice. And a few people sell it. Uh, no, well, that's the I shit. That's how it works. Uh, no one's paying me to say that. Do the shit. What's up, Adrian? How you doing? Good to see you. Should I move this closer? Yeah, right there is good. All right. You want some coffee? Um, I just had some coffee. Last night was really fun. It was really fun. The I club's am, awesome. Thank you very much. Um, I'm really excited that we got to meet, and I'm really excited that I got to see your stand-up, you know, because uh, Ari Shafir has been singing your praises I know. for so long. He's the best. What's he funny? loves you. I know. When I first met him, I did not like him. <laughs> like, I was like, this guy's a dick. He's a little misunderstood. Well, he, he can be a dick. Well, yeah. Even when you text me, I was like, is this Ari oh. playing a joke? Because he's uh, always doing stuff like that to me. Does he really? Yeah. Well, it's because he loves you. No, absolutely. But I, I'm always skeptical of something's in his orbit. I'm right. like, hmm. He is the guy that, do- that dosed Burt Kreischer yes. at his house. Yes. Dosed him at his house when he was supposed to be hanging out with his family. He gave him Molly. At least he did it at his house in a safe environment, I guess. I think Bird had the fucking time of his life. He just doesn't want to admit it. I could see that. I think ultimately it was like a really bad thing that Ari did that. But a, there was a. I bet he had a good time. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's probably not great for their friendship. But... It's ter- it was terrible for their friendship. The wife was furious at him, and rightly so. Rightly so. Ari does stuff where, like, you're like, hey, that's not cool. <laughs> Do you know what he did to me? So he got into my ex-fiance's um, computer, wrote an email from him to me. Oh, God. Where it was like, I, I'm still in love with you. We should get back together. Oh, and, like, my God. I know. And I was like, I had another boyfriend at the time. And I was like, I don't feel like this at all. So I just deleted it. And then Ari later was like, you check your emails? And I was like, you're a dick. Oh my god! Yeah. What a psycho! Yeah, I was like, what if I still cared about what this guy like that? What if you just started sending pussy pictures? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, what if start... I was like, it's on. What, Come what over. If I was like, it's on, and you started sending the wildest shit that you have on your hard drive. Oh my god, that would be terrible. I know, and then Ari has it. Well, they text it to you later. I think Good that he Lord. got in his his email and then left. Like that's the thing. He's oh. I've had my phone open by him, and he'll like write. I love black cock on Twitter. Like, he just does that. Could you imagine being your ex-fiance and then seeing a response to you in his email? Yeah. And then he's reading that and going, what the fuck did I do? Right. Like, like he thinks, oh, my God, was I on drugs? Did I black out? I don't remember writing this. I think he would just, I think at this point, anything that goes crazy, I think is Ari. So I think he Mm. would also just be like, who is in my office? Hmm. Well, that's the benefit of having someone like Ari. You have plausible deniability sure. on tap. You're just like... Fucking Ari. It's Ari. Ari did it. He's such a psycho. 
It's Ari. God damn it. Damn it, Ari. He comes across sometimes as a dick because he's probably like autistic, but he is like a good guy. He's a great guy. He I is. love that dude. But I don't think he's autistic. I think he just had a hard childhood. Yeah, but like I don't think he like he'll say stuff where you're like, Ari, this is really inappropriate. He does. So he that's does. the only thing where I'm like, he might be on the spectrum. Nah. You don't think even like the tail end, like the I beginning? Think he's such a comedian. That he has a really hard time interacting with regular people. Maybe. I, th- I think he's so used to like the fun of chaos. Sure. Ari shit in a Tupperware container and brought it to Skankfest. Yeah. And then opened it up on stage in a crowded room where people mm-hmm. were gagging and throwing up. It was Legions of Skanks, right? It wasn't Skank. Was it Skankfest? Whatever it was. With the Legion of Skanks guys. Ari shit in a Tupperware and brought it to the stage. Sure, but that's still not so, as but, bad as some of the stuff he says. But it's his le- that's his level of like acceptable behavior. Like yes. to him, that was a thing that you should do. Right. Right? So like all this other stuff is just funsies. That's true. It's just funsies. When I was on the road with him one time, he took out one of his bloody ass tampons <laughs> and he was showing me I go don't touch me with that and he goes okay like if you ask him <laughs> like not to do something he will respect that but if you yes. don't it's he might game on. might be game on yeah, yeah. he'll do yeah. whatever but like if you're like hey please don't do that he's like all right I'll respect that because you said that I met Ari when he was a door guy at the comedy store we became friends when he was just really just starting out I don't think he'd been doing comedy like more than a year what what did you think of him as a new comic He's funny. I knew he was really smart. Yeah. And uh, he was just fun to be around. Like, he's a fun kid. He was like, you know, I knew after a while what what was going on, but he was like recently divorced from religion. Right. So he's like super Orthodox Jew, you know, went mm-hmm. to Israel, was studying the Talmud for like 12 hours a day, like wild shit. And then he has this real break from it. And then a few years later, he's hanging out with us smoking weed at the comedy store. Like, I wonder what he was like. He was great. No, no, before, oh. when he was, like, religious. <sighs> what a mind fuck to do to a kid. It's such a mind fuck. Because you're, you're, you're saying you absolutely know that this is how everything went down. Right. And there's no way that could be real. Even if the concepts of Christianity or Judaism, even if they're, like, Real, they're real. That's what God really wants. There's no way you know whoever wrote that, like what they wrote. You, yeah. There's no way. This is human beings. Yeah, I mean, I went to Catholic school my whole life, and I just never believed any of that stuff. I believed in it until I was did. six. Yeah, in okay, first six. grade, <laughs> I had one teacher, Sister Mary Josephine. She was such a cunt. I bet she was so mean. She was so mean that I knew as a little boy, like there's no way this could be connected to God. No, they're like, this so is, mean. This, this is an evil lady who would threaten you if you didn't do something. You were going to have to sleep on a nail in the closet. You'd have to stay home. Uh-huh. You're never going to get to see your parents again. She would yell stuff like that. It was like she was evil. She tortured kids. Can you imagine that existing today? Oh my God! It probably does. It probably does in some very unusual religious circumstances. You know, but it's just back then. When I was a kid, that was how they taught you in Catholic school, at least that lady. My sister got a great lady, though. My sister got a great a lady in the same school that wasn't a nun. She was just a regular lady who was Catholic, who was teaching in a Catholic school. It didn't have to be nuns or priests. Right. Well, I was in 
elementary school, it was like some teachers and then it was some nuns and some priests. So mm. it was a mix. Yeah. So my sister got lucky. She loved her teacher. My teacher. She taught me everything I needed to know. I was like. About religion. I was like, there's no way. What it, not about the religion. Just a possibility that someone like that exists. Yeah. Because everyone was nice to me. I was five, six years old, whatever I was. My yeah. parents were nice to me. My grandparents were nice to me. Everyone was nice to me. Except this And lady. then all of a sudden I'm in this room with this lady who is representing God. And she's fucking evil. She's mean. She wants you to cry. She would like try to get kids to cry. Yeah. It was weird because it was like a, a really good thing. It was like a really good thing because when I was like five years old, my parents were breaking up and I was like, you know, when you're young and you're insecure, you're like, oh my God, like there's no uh, stability in the world. And, and I started thinking about God and I started like really getting into God. It's like a five-year-old. Crazy. It was yeah. It was like I was looking for someone. But to it makes sense. Yeah, you're looking for someone to look after you, someone who makes sense of this. Sure. Because if like the parents in your life, if the chaos in your life, you're like, there's got to be something. Maybe it's God. And then going to that church and going to that that Catholic school, I was like, okay, maybe maybe it's God. But these people, this lady is not doing the work of God. Like, there's no way God knows about this. There's yeah, no way God's cool with slide. this. There's no way God's like, she's ultimately, unless it's to be so fucking mean that you make people think for themselves. Yeah. We had a priest, maybe Father Joe. I don't know. He came and we were about seventh grade and people were talking about like, if their dogs die and they go to heaven, and he was like, they don't. And we went ballistic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine telling, like, a seventh grader your dog dies and doesn't go to heaven. Oh, my God. We were just, like, <laughs> so angry and mad. Like, he had to leave the room. First of all, bitch, how do you know? They don't know anything. How but I'm just know? saying, it's like, just be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't you say that? No, he, he never even was like, well, maybe. He was like, no, they do not go to heaven. Because then you'd be trapped with this animals have souls too thing. And then you can never eat meat again. Right, so it's like just say go to heaven. Yeah, they all go to heaven, just every or whatever. Imagine if you had to go to heaven and confront every chicken you ever ate. I mean, I would just probably ignore them, <laughs> like you do on like trolls on the internet. You're just like, all right, I get it. You're mad. I Imagine said something in, that pissed you off. In the next dimension, if reality was flopped and everything that you ate gets to eat you. I mean, I think you just like this is my fate. Like, what am I gonna do? It would suck. It would, but you'd be dead so quick. It really is crazy if you think about, like, your whole life, from the time you're a baby till now, how many animals have you eaten? Probably a lot. <laughs> and the thing is, I like, I don't feel bad eating the ugly animals. Like, chickens are not particularly cute, but, like, cows are so cute. They can be very cute. So are pigs. <clears throat> yeah. Pigs can be really cute. So that's the one thing where you're like, oh, I love all these videos on Instagram, but I'm still going to eat a steak. Isn't it interesting that wild pigs aren't cute at all? No. They're not even a little cute. They're ferocious looking. Yeah, so those are the ones that you want to eat, the ugly ones. Yeah, my agent said the same thing to me. To eat the ugly ones? Yeah, she says, like, I don't mind if you hunt, but you should hunt pigs because they're ugly. <laughs> not the babies. The babies are so cute. <laughs> they are, but... Yeah, even wild pig babies are cute. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Like, what's that like evolution? It's not like eagles care if something's cute. What, no, what, it's like a thinking animal that discerns cuteness and doesn't want to harm cute things. Sure, like lions don't care about yeah. hunting something. But what do you? Is that for us? It must be for us. It's just because it's the us. only thing it works on. Yeah, 
I think it's just for us. Like, think about it like a little wolf puppy. They're so, so adorable. So cute. So adorable. And it's adorable to us. Oh, yeah. Those things are gross. Disgusting. <laughs> so it's adorable to us, little wolf puppy. Yeah. So that we don't kill it so we can grow up to be able to kill us. Yeah. I it's don't, a trick. I think that we just, like, are reasoning and thinking about it. But, like, there's people that would probably kill it still. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, but it's a trick. It, but it's an interesting one. Because it really, I think it only works on us. I don't think chimps give a fuck about cuteness. No, but they do love their like offspring. And sure, they do but all animals them. do. Yeah. All animals do. But it's not because they're cute. Right. But for us, when we see other things, babies, yes. we think they're cute. Yes. Like we, oh my God. We want to protect it. Otters are really yeah, cute. Yeah, puppies. Puppies are the most adorable thing of all time. They are. Look at those little guys. They hey. are cute. Hey, little roof puppies. But I also realize that they would kill me. They're so different than dogs. It's so interesting. They're so different than dogs. And, and they look kind of like dogs until you get them around dogs. Yeah. I mean, they're cute, but they're not as cute as like a husky. I was at a dog park once when a guy brought in a wolf. Are they and illegal? Yeah, you can have a wolf. You can have like in a, a dog seven, park? Yeah, you can have like a seven-eighth timber wolf as a pet. Yeah. I had a friend who had a couple of them. And one of them even got out and killed a bunch of sheep. Like, they're wolves, like real wolves. Yeah, I don't think you should have them so, as pets. So, I'm at the dog park, and this fucking dude comes in with a wolf. And it was the wildest thing, where every dog was like, what the fuck? Do you know what that is? Did every you... dog was like, oh, Jesus Christ. They all, like, slunk down and moved away from it. It was like he was walking through a tide. Like, everything, yeah. like, the, it pulled back. That's like their Jesus. In his presence. Well, it's, that's their monster. Yeah. Those wolves eat dogs. Was your dog there? Yes. Did you take your dog out? Oh, I got the right, fuck, right the fuck yeah. out of there. Yeah. So I live in the Bronx, and there's always, like, people have pit bulls and, you know, yeah. dogs. And, like, some of them are really nice, and some of them they just walk off the leash. So this one day I had a boxer, and this pit bull got loose. I was with my ex-boyfriend at the time. He jumped on a car, and I just picked my dog up. Oh, I was Jesus ready to get, Christ. I was just getting ready to get. He jumped on the car to get away from the dog? Yes. Left, it, left your puppy. Yes, but I think that's also maybe culturally, like, because he was black, and I think, like, that's a whole thing where he's just not raised the same with dogs and stuff. I don't know. He just jumped on the car, and I just held my dog. And I was like, I'm ready to get attacked. Oh, my God. The dog did nothing, but then he showed me how I, because I was like, I'm scared to walk my dog now. So he showed me how I could, like, kill a dog, and I would walk around with a knife. Oh, my God. Did you see that? Some, someone did that to someone. Welcome back. In, in Manhattan. What? In Central Park. Someone stabbed, uh, two dogs got in a fight and the guy stabbed someone else's dog. I mean, was he killing the dog? I don't know. I think his dog bit the other dog was what the woman who's, I don't know know the details. I probably shouldn't say it. So it's new details and shocking, deadly stabbing of dog in Central Park. And the, the woman like filmed the guy running away and she goes, you killed my dog, you piece of shit. Baffling incident occurred in the area around 106th Street and 5th Avenue, a spot popular with dog walkers. NBC New York spoke to a man who said that he and his wife were walking their 13-year-old German Shepherd pit bull mix named Ellie and their other dog, Sadie, on leashes in the area around 8.30 p.m. A man, the man who only wished to be identified as Brian, said they walked by a man with three pit bulls, at least two of which were unleashed. 
Fuck that guy. I hate seeing dogs off the leash. Yeah. One of his dogs tried to bite my little dog, and he tried to tell me that's that it's okay, and I tried to talk sense into him. Brian told News 4, he and the man started to argue as his dogs attacked Ellie. Ellie. Uh, I kicked one of the dogs off my dog at one point, Brian said, but then he took out a knife and started carving, and my dog growled. He stuck him, and I was helpless at that time. Brian said he took a photo of the man as he walked away below. The couple then took their dog to the veterinarian where Ellie had to be put down. Wow. So that guy with those dogs just stabbed someone's dog. That guy, like his dog bit the dog. Okay. That guy would be fucking dead. That's why I can't have a gun. Because <sighs> there's so many people I would kill. I don't know if those are pit bulls. They said those they are look pit like bulls. Uh, yeah. But they couldn't, they no, couldn't I think they're American else. bulldogs. My mom has no. Ma- American bulldogs are actually larger than pit bulls. American bulldogs. Those are dogs big. are like this though. Um, those. those look more like they look. They do make these little bullies. You ever seen those bullies? That's what my mom's like dog miniature is. bullies. Yeah. It's like low to the ground, but like that. Yeah. It's jacked. I think those aren't like the really the really scary pit bulls believe it or not are the not the ones that look like the scary pit bulls I mean those are scary too but the really scary ones are the smaller ones cuz those are the ones they really raised for dog fighting yeah brian callen got one of those ones he had one as a pet and it was a real problem and it looked like a regular dog it looked like a regular dog like they don't have big giant heads and it only weighed like 35 pounds pocket bull that little fucker that's what my mom that's has that's it so those those little things uh they're weird fucking breeding choices that people have made to make these little tiny pit bulls, but I don't think those are aggressive. My mom's dog's not aggressive, but she's, like, scared of everything. Because another dog got loose and attacked her, so she's, like, scared now of everything. Oh, God, yeah, that's got to be traumatic to dogs. But, like, if I lived, if that would drive me nuts if I was that guy, and I would do do terrible things to his dogs. It's just, it's to him. Fuck, the the dogs are just being dogs. I know, but, like, put him on a leash, that's the problem. It's not like, yeah, I know what you're saying. But yeah, oh yeah, if you could kill him, then do it. <sighs> That's the thing about taking dogs in public, like you never know. Like I got, there's this uh, guy that uh, I used to run these trails with, and I think he worked for this lady, because I don't think he really had good control of the dogs. And oddly enough, one of the dogs was a golden lab, and he was really aggressive. And he went after my dog and bit my dog. And I had to like kick the dog off him, and it was like, it was awful, but I'm like a golden lab just, just snapped at the dog. I'm like, and the guy couldn't control him. I'm I like, I thought you were talking about this video. What is this one? This oh, this was horrible. London, yeah, that was horrible. A woman. Yeah, the guy didn't have control of his dogs, and they were attacking that's this why woman. Why your dogs need to be on a leash? I mean, that's just crazy. you're not in the mountains. There's a guy that used to have three German shepherds. He'd walk them all off the leash in the Bronx. Right, but why is that dog attacking people? Why is that dog just attacking a lady for no reason? Like, what? Maybe what is they're going trained. On yeah, what is going on? There? Or you, if you rescue them and you don't know where they're from. <sighs> God damn it, that's scary. That's very scary. That's terrifying shit. Oof. Such a fucked up way to go. Also, pe- that's so weird that that guy came into the park with a wolf. It's like, what are you doing? It was a long time ago. Um, you know, it was uh, it was real weird. But there, people have those things. They have those uh, wolf breeds, wolf dogs. There's one guy I, I knew had three of them. And he would go over his house. If you made noise, like, yo! They would go, oh, yeah, they, they would howl. all just howl in. It's they're not dogs. It's so interesting. They like there's no like telling them what to do. Sit, lay down. Fuck you. Those dogs should be out in the wild. Yeah, and this guy had them in a yard. 
like it's that, kind of crazy. That's not where they should be. No. These dogs are wild. They should be out and you know. It's also kind of crazy to fix them. You're just cutting off their testosterone supplies. Like, oh, just get tired. I bet they're still pretty aggressive. They're not the same. They're definitely not the same. I mean, I get it that you don't want them to have puppies, but you should just be in control of your dog. Yeah. They're, 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 it's a, such a weird animal, wolves. You know, because we killed them off, and now we're like, let's bring them back. And have them in the park with other dogs that are have no fighting chance against it if it goes nuts. Well, that case, that guy, you know, had it supposedly as a pet. I just think people get pets sometimes. It's like you don't have to really know what you're doing to get, like, sure. a German Shepherd. You can get a police dog, German Shepherd, like a really aggressive, very smart thinking, like almost like a predator of people. Yeah. You know? And you could just get it. Anybody can get it. I mean, somebody, I think in Manhattan had, like, an alligator. Oh, yeah. Like, you get these, like, little the animals where they're cute, and then it, like, gets to be humongous, and you're like, this is a real problem. I think a dude in the Bronx had a tiger. Sure. I see that happening. <laughs> his fucking house. This guy had a tiger at his house. Yeah, I mean, people are nuts. Imagine, like, telling a girl at a club you have a baby tiger. Like, even <laughs> if you don't want to fuck this guy, you're like, I do want to see this baby tiger. <laughs> where was this? This is his alligator found in New York City Lake. Oh, my God. So what do you think happened there? Do you think that was like a pet? It's probably a pet, and it got too big, and somebody was like, I don't know what to do with this, and he put it in this park in the water. That's the story of Florida. Florida's an amazing story. Florida's just overrun with pythons. There's a half a million pythons in the Everglades. They say that 99% of all of the mammals are gone. That's of everything, raccoons, wild. deer, everything, rabbits, they're all gone. Foxes, pumas, everything, everything. Maybe that's what you need to be hunting then. Yeah, well, they are doing that. What's crazy is in California, python skin's illegal. So you can't, <laughs> you can't, it's banned. You can't get python in California. Meanwhile, on the other side of the country, they're overrun with pythons. Like, they literally have wiped out all of the native wildlife. They're eating alligators now. That's crazy. Yeah. Four hundred twenty-five pound tiger living in Harlem apartment. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the story. I mean, imagine showing up to that and you're like, "I'm out of here." Oh my god. I'm not getting paid enough for this. I think they're the most beautiful animals. They're beautiful, but like, what are you doing in a tiny studio apartment with no, a tiger? No, it's insane. It's an insane person. It's like some dude who met some dude who knows a guy and get you a tiger. Of course. Do you know there's more tigers in Texas in private collections than there are in all of the wild of the world? Are they just like in their private backyards and stuff? Tiger world. I mean, when they attack <laughs> people, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Why are you, you're caging this animal that should be in the wild. Yeah. Texas is very strange when it comes to wildlife. You can kind of own anything. Texas, this is... Like get a, you, get you a zebra. Just fucking nuts here. Anything goes. Get you a zebra, Adrian. I want a baby zebra. Not when yeah. it gets big. Once it gets big, I'm going to put it in that lake with that alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I care. Fend for yourself. Yeah, there's, there's apparently like a couple thousand more tigers in Texas than there are in the wild. Did you ever watch Tiger King? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just like it. such trash. I was so great. Not so secretly hoping that Trump would pardon him. Yeah. <laughs> You like this guy has like a, probably a third level education. Well, he's just trying to make money. Talk those straight guys into fucking him. So respect. Yeah, but I feel like 
rich people can get away with that. It's like why women, right. hot women fuck ugly dudes that are rich. You're like, well, hopefully you think that buy works with guys? Yes, absolutely. Mm. I guess with some guys. But everything. It's like what works on everybody, you know? Because like some things don't work on some people, but they work on other people. I think money always works on everyone. Sure, but like some people are really dumb. Like some people, yeah. you can get them with a pretty simple cult. Like, oh yeah, not and even, even that, that good. You know? If you just post on Craigslist that you're starting a new religion, yeah, I've thought about religion. doing it and seeing who would show up. People would show up. <laughs> I know, would loyalists. Be crazy. They would be. I was the first. I was with Adrian when she became awoken. In the beginning. <laughs> That'd be so crazy. You could start a cult. One hundred percent, you could start a cult. I would do that, and then just start a landscaping business, and that would be what I tell them our religion is—just mm. cleaning people's yards and stuff. Oh my god, it's a, such a weird thing, cults, because there's—it's uh, seems to be like a natural pattern of behavior that people have, where they're willing to believe fucking total nonsense as long as everybody in the group believes total nonsense. Sure. It's also wanting to like belong to something. Yep. You know, yeah. especially if you feel like an outcast. Yeah. And there's some that are good at it. Like Scientology's good at it. I think at the root of every cult, there is a guy that wants to fuck everyone. <laughs> so like that's... Generally. Generally. Most of those cults start out where like, you have to fuck me and that's how you get like to this higher level or... Or the Heaven's Gate guy. You have to cut your balls off. Remember that guy? N I do, but I don't remember cutting Everybody your balls had off. to castrate themselves. Was he castrated also? I think he was. He might have done it to himself and got people to do it. It was um, it was a weird one. They all wore the same Nikes and they yes, all killed okay. themselves because they, like, they thought that the spaceship was coming to take them. They had to kill themselves. What's crazy is I watched that documentary and I was <clears> bored by it. Well, it, it was it's weird, right? Because it's like it's so dumb. You're like, who's buying into this? But even something that dumb there's someone the out there that's nikes. like <laughs> fucking nikes oh it's a weird one click on that how it really happened it's such a strange story because like i don't know what the guy's origin was like how he got all these people it's not playing I just remember watching it and being very bored by it. I, I was bored by this guy that started a cult and got everyone to kill themselves. I loved Wild Wild Country. Did you see that one? Yes. Where the, is that the one where they're going through a drive-thru? That's the one where the Indian guru, um, he uh, set up shop in this town in Oregon. They took over the whole town. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they started busting in homeless people so they could vote out everybody. So the homeless people That's would now good be angle. citizens. Oh, it was amazing. But then those home, it was really sad. Because those homeless people had a sense of purpose for the first time in their life. And some of them were like, I'm fucking all in. <sighs> These are my people. You know, and they were fucking doing hard work. And they were really like, they felt, and then at the end, after they voted, like, get the fuck out of here. UFO cults. UFO cult, apparently. Mm. Well, let me hear him talk. ago when I said <laughs> that the big surprise could come, that spacecrafts could come in by the thousands maybe come in shifts in march 1996 that music i'm out <laughs> it's so well creepy. that's editorialized right that's someone else like yeah. putting something but this is uh part of some history channel thing i think did you hear about the sanctum cult stuff today with hunter biden what is that uh, i'm obsessed so with the, hunter the story, biden yeah the story i saw was that the leader of this la sex club that cost seventy five thousand dollars a year was kicked out of the club because he shared that hunter biden was once a member 
And all he shared was like an, a social media post that said, I kicked him out because he was weird. But then they kicked him out of the club because, like, you're not allowed to talk about the club. It's like Fight Ooh, Club. Ooh, Fight Club. Mm, and, I fucked up. Yeah. I had a chance to get Hunter by on, on the podcast in the I very think you beginning. Can. I can't. Wait for I him tried. to get back on crack. I can get him back on crack. Do it. That's when you get him back. Yeah, I'll try it for the first time. <laughs> well, I hear my friend did crack, <laughs> and he's Smelling like, it's salts. amazing. <clears throat> well, it's cocaine. It's free basin cocaine. Dr. Carl Hart, um, who's a this brilliant guy who's a, a legitimate academic, but also is a drug user. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's no difference. It's, it's pharmacologically, it's the same drug. You're, you're free basing. I can see that. Yeah. It's like the, the real thing that's different is the policy. Because the pol- it's the most racist policy in the history oh, of the drug war. The, like, if you get busted with cocaine, it's one, one mm-hmm. thing. But this, if you get busted with crack... You get a crazy sentence. Yes. Like way, way, way more. It's just racist. Well, it's not just racist. It's like when you really go into like the origins of – you aware of the Freeway Rick Ross story? No. Rick Ross, not the rapper, but mm-hmm. the real Rick Ross right. was a drug dealer in South Central L.A. Okay. And he couldn't even read. And he was making millions and millions of dollars. He was like a star tennis player. And figured out how to make money doing it. It's just a smart, smooth dude who knew how to move cocaine. But he didn't know he was moving it for the CIA. Oh. He didn't know he was moving it to fund the Contras versus the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. Interesting. So this is the whole Oliver North thing. So they lock him up. He learns how to read in jail and becomes a lawyer. And then realizes they got him on, they got him on, you know, three strikes, but it can't be three strikes in one crime. It has to be three different crimes, three different arrests. Right. So he got out. It's crazy. Crazy. But like, look what they did for him. But that guy he was, learned to read. He right. became a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, what a fucking great story that is. He's an awesome guy too. And that. But that's where crack was coming from. I mean, it was our own fucking government. Oh, yeah. It was it was rogue. I should be real clear about this. Probably rogue outlaw entities in our own government. It's not like our government approves that. Didn't Reagan, like, put crack into the community pretty much? Reagan did it himself. Yeah. He went in the middle of the night like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little, little crack for everybody. Well, you know, that the whole fucking... The drug war is just bananas when you're actually still selling drugs. Like they call it the it's just a war on drug competition is all it is. It's not a drug war. The drugs are making billions of dollars. It's like okay, no yeah. more money for drugs. Drugs are now illegal to sell. Like what are you talking about? This, no way. Look at the amount of money that people make on just drugs that everyone agrees that. Listen, I don't take Adderall, but I 100% support your right to take Adderall. Sure. I I hear it's awesome. And people who take it, they can't shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, it's like uh, me and my friend used to take Stacker, too. I think it's the same thing. We would, like, do everything in the office. Everyone would love when we took it. But guess what, kids? That's a drug. Yeah. That's a drug. Absolutely. I mean, just the fact that you're getting it from your doctor. I mean, doctors prescribe so much stuff. Tell the doctor to sell Coke. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I tried to get a prescription for Xanax, and my doctor looked at me where he was just like, I'm not giving it to you. And I was like, are you serious? (laughs) Oh, my God, really? Yeah, because I wanted it to fly. He's like, I'm not doing it. He's like, they're really cracking down right now, so you can't have any. Well, the thing about benzodiazepine is it's very difficult to kick. 
very difficult physiologically. It's yeah. one of the only drugs like alcohol that'll kill you if you just go cold turkey sometimes. Yeah. Some people just get wrecked by that stuff. Jordan Peterson got wrecked, like physically wrecked for like over a year. It took him so long just to build his health back up. Well, my friend that was doing crack was also doing Xanax. Oh. So, and he was like, his doctor just made him go, I guess, cold turkey. But he had been doing so much that when he stopped, he went ballistic. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's supposed to be horrible. It is horrible. Horrible, horrible withdrawals, especially when people go crazy and they're eating it all day long. Oh, yeah. He was taking it all day. <sighs> that was rough for him. That's when he started doing uh, crack with problems. I had a buddy that was a comic and was like just having anxiety attacks. He just couldn't fucking control it and started taking Xanax. And it all went away. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden he was fun again. It was weird. It was like. Anxiety is terrible. It's terrible. And I know it his health deteriorated after, but he was drinking while he was doing it, which you're not supposed to do, which a lot of people do do. <laughs> this lady sure. said this to me on an airplane. She uh, she had a glass of wine. She goes, a glass of wine and a Xanax, and I don't give a fuck about the world. <laughs> yeah. I've taken Xanax. If I, I went to Australia and I took it and I slept most of the flight. Yeah. It just knocks you out. Yeah, I'm, I would imagine. It's a good move for a 16-hour flight. But is the come down bad? You're exhausted. You're like so tired the rest of that day. You're like, mm. you're, you're done. There's nothing you could do. Mm. That's why I would only take it if I like was flying. Right. Yeah, I would, that would make me think that if you took it before you went on stage, that, that wouldn't be good either. No, it's like a real downer. I think he was doing that, though. I'm amazed by people that could like do so much drugs and drink and go on stage. Well, I wonder, though, like how it's interacting with whatever individual's level of anxiety, right? Sure. Like we all assume that people have the same anxiety, but mm -hmm. my level of anxiety differs throughout the day and depending on what I'm doing, depending sure. on like my activity level, whether I've exercised, whether I slept well. Yeah. You know? So it, I don't have a lot of anxiety, but if someone had a lot of anxiety, like, or, or like a hot, we, I don't even know what that feels like. That, no. Like if Xanax is the only thing that takes them out of that, like give them some fucking Absolutely. Xanax. Absolutely, it's what just for that? me. It makes me like a zombie. That's why I, I really can't take it. I just wish there was something that had that sort of an effect, but wasn't like so ferociously addictive. I mean, probably mushrooms. I don't know. I'm I scared to do any of those drugs. Scared? Why? I don't know. I reacted so badly when I was. I did an edible when I was at uh, Moon Tower like last year, mm. and, that, and I'd never done it before, and it was like the worst experience. How, how many milligrams? Um, I don't remember. It was like in a bag that they oh, gave you, God. and my friend was like, this is, she was like, no, it was like from a company, though. She was like, this is oh, very weak. <laughs> I know, but it wasn't just like some guy off the street handed it to me, so I was like, oh, this seems legitimate, and I took it, and I remember going to sleep and waking up to hearing the ocean. I mean, it was so wild. I thought I was in that movie with Russell Crowe. What's that movie where he's like, he thinks he's in the CIA, but he's just bipolar or schizophrenic? Oh, yeah. So the whole time I thought I was like that situation. I mean, my I go, it's not good for me. Like my friend came over and I was like, I used the same logic he used where he realized those people never aged. Where I was like, okay, well, you're, you're the same now. Like I, it was so crazy. I can't do, I can't do drugs. Those people never aged? 
in that movie, he's like, I guess he sees like a little girl and he has this roommate. The Russell Crowe movie. Oh, the Russell Crowe movie. Yeah, so, but he realizes, like, they're not real because 10 years later, they're still the same age. And I use that logic to think that, like, my friend, I was like, well, you're still exactly the same. Like, it was just, I went there. It was so crazy. Whoa. That's why I was like, I'm not good on drugs. Well, that's a big dose, it sounds like. I think someone, the problem with those edibles, I used to have a bit about it, is they're they're not consistent. They're not making them in the same place they make Tylenol. You know, they should. <laughs> yeah, they should. It should be legal. They should all be legal, so we'd know exactly what the fuck you're taking. I mean, how many people have to die of fentanyl before they realize? Like, we have to figure out. Like, if there's a demand for these drugs, if people want these drugs, maybe it's education, maybe it's counseling, maybe it's drug rehabilitation centers that we need to open everywhere, and then there's a business in that. But you should be allowing people to have access to the actual drug, not coke that you're getting on the street that's cut with fentanyl that's going to kill people sure, and it, how yeah. many people have to fucking die before you realize you're not going to stop people from doing coke with a just say no campaign so what are you going to do why don't you let reputable companies sell that and sell p- pure versions of it and tell them what the fucking dose is it's going to kill you let people know what's going on and then make it so that you have to be 21 to buy it and educate people like we're going to open up the country to legal drug sales because if you don't, all you're doing is arming the outlaws. You're giving them money. All the outlaws. And it's the unregulated. That, and, that's, and it's right south across our border. The, the Mexican cartels are fucking killing it. And they're not killing it because Just Say No worked. They're killing it because we don't have legal drugs. Yeah. So they sell illegal drugs. It's fucking bananas that a problem so so obvious. It's like this. It's it's an uncomfortable solution, but you gotta rip off the fucking band aid and you gotta make everything legal. Remember that professor that was uh, doing heroin recreationally? Doctor Carl Hart. Oh, same that, guy. that's the same guy. Yeah, okay. I love that dude. That's He's been so on the crazy. podcast a few times. Yeah, well, he does it recreationally. Yeah, and he talks about it. He says it's wonderful. Says I love to just be with my wife and listen to music. I just feel like once I did that, I'd be like, "Well, this also seems like a good idea tomorrow." <laughs> like I don't know that yeah. I would stop. Well, that's, that's a problem with addiction. Like it's just right. like that guy can do it, but like right. Well, one of the things that he talked about that's interesting. He's like this heroin withdrawal um, myth. He's like it's like getting sick. It's like you're sick with a cold for a couple of days. He goes, that's what it's like. It's not like you're dying. He goes, it's not that bad. He goes, it's just very exaggerated in media depictions of films and people are like, but that sounds awful. It sounds like it sucks to to have a cold for a few days, but then you're not addicted to heroin anymore. Mm. But then if you just keep doing heroin, you just keep feeling better. Well, also, you got to realize like sick, like what does sick mean? Like if you're sick and you've been doing heroin a lot and so you're malnourished and your immune system is dead and you know, you're, you're very little sleep and you're just all fucked up and poor and then you get withdrawals and you get really sick. That could fucking kill you depending upon your health. Depending on how healthy of a heroin person you are. Yeah. Like, I wonder if he calls in sick and everyone's like, he's doing heroin. People do heroin recreationally, and they have for a long time. There was this buddy of mine who was a longshoreman in Boston, and he worked with this guy who would buy a bag of heroin at lunch every day, and he would go in his truck, and he would shoot up. That seems like a lot of heroin. Well, I mean, I don't know how much yeah. you know he did at a time, but he this guy was functional. He said okay. he would go in his car, he would shoot up. Everybody knew what he was doing. 
He would go in his car and shoot up, and he would just sit in his car for his hour lunch break, and then he'd go back to work. No problems. That's insane. Insane. I mean, with Xanax, I want to fall asleep. It's it's a weird thing that pe- I, I met a guy who was a pool player once. He was uh, a like a very prominent uh, like top level pool player where he'd gamble for a lot of money, and we were at a pool hall in White Plains, New York. This guy, they called him Buffalo Bill was one of his nicknames. Water Dog was another one of his nicknames. And this dude, uh, would had, he had to do heroin before he played. And everybody knew. And so this guy was gambling with him. And this guy, um, Water Dog, goes into the bathroom, locks the door. He's in there for like 10 minutes. He comes out and he just sits on the chair like this, like a billiards chair. He sits like this for like 20 minutes. Just sits there like this, like. And we were just looking at him. And I was, you know, 23 at the time or something like that. I was like, look at this motherfucker. Look at him. And then he would get up, and it was like he had shark eyes. There was like no one there. There was no one there. And then he would play pool, and he couldn't miss. He couldn't miss. It was insane. It was insane to watch. It was they playing on these pockets, this table, these really tight pockets, and they're gambling for a lot of money. That should be has, not legal. He has no <laughs> like nerves. He has no nerves. He's not feeling any pressure at all. He's just playing perfect. And everybody watches like, holy shit. And it made people want to do heroin. I just, not that it shouldn't be, have been legal, but I'm saying like if you're opposed, if you're playing him and you're like against him, I'd be like, he can't do heroin. That just enhances his performance. You're talking about pool. In, uh, in the pool world, everybody does drugs. Really? <laughs> there's a, I mean, there's elite players that are completely clean and sober on a professional level. Like, absolutely. But in like pool hall gambling, Drugs were ubiquitous. Drugs were Interesting. like, yeah, I don't drugs, know about the... amphetamines were mm. like the the choice pill for people when they gambled like twenty hours in a row. They would just take amphetamines and keep gambling. I just think like I would be scared to do that. Addiction is so rampant in my family. Like my biological father was a drug user. My uncle was a hell's angel. He was on tons of drugs and stuff. So I just feel like I don't mm. know. I have enough issues. Yeah, I hear you. I don't know if drug addiction is, I think some of it's got to be physical. Some of it's got to be genetic. It's got to be. I mean, it just makes sense. People from some parts of the world where they don't uh, have a history of alcohol, they experience alcohol, they have real problems with it. Part of it's got to be genetic. But then part of it's got to be cultural, too, when you're around all these people. Definitely. It becomes like learned behavior. It's, you know, release at the end of the day. Give me a fucking beer. and Yeah. It's just become something that, you know... It gets very ingrained. And then also the patterns of behavior that come with alcoholism. The fucking up and the fuck, life falling apart and the disastrous choices you make. Driving drunk. Oh, just yeah. Just like losing all your that. family. Fights. Like there's so many, yeah. Yeah, all that, all that. Just, oof. I mean, how many lives have been lost to drugs that you could buy legally? Like booze. Sure. <laughs> booze has fucked up more people. But I like it. Yeah, of course. I like it. I like a little drink every now and then. I don't think it's it's like, but pfft, the idea that we're protecting people by keeping some drugs illegal, I just, I think what we're doing is we're making a nanny state that we can't get out of. And we've gotten ourselves into this box, this nanny state box. Maybe down the line it will be legal. Who knows? It's, it's going to be because it's illegal now in certain states. Like uh, uh, Oregon has essentially decriminalized everything. They've decriminalized cocaine, mushrooms, whatever. Means you're not supposed to sell it. You can't sell it, but you can have it, which is wild. So and where I, do you get it from? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, 
I don't know if they're specific about that, and I don't know if there's like legal distribution. So I know they have legal marijuana, right? But that's that's like 18 states now have legal weed. Legal weed is pretty pretty well accepted as a good thing, and I think even now there's a lot of right wing people that smoke weed, and I think that was a big change. Because I think a lot of left-wing people were always associated with marijuana and laziness. And then right-wing people like, fuck that, fucking potheads. But now a lot of right-wing people, like maybe your dad's got arthritis and he smokes a little weed before he goes to bed. And maybe you have an edible and you really like hanging out with your wife and watching movies. And then, you know, you're like, hey, maybe this pot's not that bad. I don't know. Don't you feel like a lot of people are doing coke? Like on both sides? I think so. I mean, I know so. I know a lot of people are doing coke. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like both sides do everything. <laughs> yeah, but I think psychedelics more like, well, not anymore. I used to say psychedelics more likely to be tried by the left, but God damn, there's a lot of soldiers that have had great benefit with psychedelics. And they've shared those experiences with a lot of other soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I've had quite a few uh, talk about it on this podcast. But um one of the things that MAPS is doing is using MDMA for soldiers with PTSD, and that's shown uh, amazing results. So I think the right is opening up their eyes to it more, too. It's like it's a quality of life thing that's probably been here forever. And if you believe in God, he probably put all that stuff here for us. It's just managing it correctly. You know, the ones that can be beneficial, like like mushrooms, like MDMA, like the, the, all these things, they, they have a, a positive effect when done correctly with the right person. And, sure. And to deny that is just stupid at this point. And to make them schedule one drugs in 2023 with chat GPT and everyone's got 5G, we know what the fuck is going on. Right. Like, stop. But even something like gambling that's legal can still ruin your life. Fuck yeah, it can. Yeah. That's and like, I support it. Yeah, my dad gamble was a gambler. Up. Let's go. We had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He used to gamble with our lives pretty regularly. God, isn't that crazy? When uh, I st- first started playing pool, that's when I first started being around gamblers. I did. I had never been around gamblers as a child, and so I, I never knew like what that addiction is like to watch it play out. Oh yeah, it's crazy. My dad was like just emotionally unavailable. <sighs> just always wanted to gamble. Always wanted to gamble. We used to go to the OTB as kids. Like oh, the late, we God. went there so often. The lady behind the thing had my school picture up. Oh That's how often we went god. there. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he was a bad gambler. But he also didn't make a lot of money, which is crazy. Oh. Right? It's like you can't be a mailman and a gambler. <laughs> it it gets anybody. Any, no, I know. It can get anybody. Did you see uh, Uncut Gems? No. It's fucking amazing. Is it? Yeah, it's Adam Sandler plays a gambling addict. Oh, I'll and watch you it. You will get such anxiety while you're watching. You'll be like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's so good. Adam Sandler's so good in it. And it's a dramatic role. It's not, it. a, not a comedy at all. Adam Sandler killed it. It's a great movie. Is he like a rich gambler in it? He's a jeweler. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's just, it's great. It's great. Is great, but those guys are real. I know those guys. I knew a lot of those guys. They would come into the pool hall and just start talking about the loss and the this, and I'm gonna get it back, and I'm a, and the fucking the bulls are down by six, and they were just oh, they were just in it all the time. I was like, this is crazy. My dad's thing was like OTB and gambling and the Meadowlands and any of that stuff. I mean, he also I think gambled on football and stuff, but mostly like the horses. Yeah. Horses are crazy. But you like Atlantic City, too, stuff like that. Dog races. 
don't know if he did that, but I'm sure he would. I feel like he'd gamble on anything. I had a friend of mine who uh, adopted a greyhound. Oh, one of the ones that was like yeah. used to race. And uh, I had an apartment at the time, but I was going to get one too. They they were so cool. They're so sleek. They're so and yeah. <laughs> My friend but, was trying to walk it. The leashes come off their head. He said. Yeah. Well, not only that. Um, when my friend took his out, he didn't realize. First of all, they're so fast. Oh yeah, like, they're very fast. When they go, like you are not catching nope. them. And when he saw a cat, he just went after it. And so he was off leash in this like empty park. He thought he'd be yeah. fine. And the fucking greyhound just went for that cat. Well, he's really free now. Yeah, it's like he he didn't realize like oh they they're not cool with animals. Like, that's the whole thing about racing is they're chasing a rabbit. Right. If they see an animal, they fucking sprint towards it. Yeah, you can't deprogram that. No, 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 no. So he, he realized, like, oh, my God, I got to be really careful with this thing. Can't just, like, ever let it go without a leash. You ever see the little ones, the little greyhounds? No. They have miniature greyhounds. Miniature greyhounds? Yeah. Oh. They're cute. Let me see, Jamie. They're cute. They're, you know, like, just big gray. They have the same thing. You know what the weirdest dog is? Which one? A whippet with a uh, myostatin inhibitor. I don't even know what that is. A whippet is this cute dog. Oh, look at the little cute. cutie. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable. That was a little cuddle dog. They're fast. Wow, look at them go. Look how they cross their legs like yeah. that. They just get so much fucking torque. They have so much energy. So there's a dog called a whippet, and every now and then they have a genetic anomaly. It's a myostatin inhibitor, and it causes them... Their uncontrollable growth of muscles. What do they look like? Freaks. They don't even look like they're real. They look like like a comic superhero. Like if you had injected a comic book superhero dog with like Hulk serum, it just went. Are they fighting those things? No, 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 no. Look, that's oh, what it looks like. Oh, gross! Isn't that crazy? Look how jacked he is. That's not. That's like natural. Uh, yeah, it's just a natural genetic uh, anomaly. But like, why wouldn't you fight that? That thing is because huge. they're nice. They you know don't what I'm saying? Fight. No, I know, but they're they're like teaching other dogs to fight. I'm surprised they don't use these guys. Well, it's not really as much about your the strength of your uh, like all those extra big muscles. Those are going to like cause you to get tired quicker. Oh. And then on top of that, it's really the bite of the jaw. That's, That's true. The strength of the bite, and then also the game instinct. So some dogs, when they get hurt, they want to get out of there. And pit bulls don't care about that. Right. And that, that's bred into them. So when a dog would cower away, they wouldn't allow that dog to breed. And mm. a lot of places, they'd kill the dog. That was the whole uh, thing. When they, whenever they catch dog fighting, the horrible things, like what they do to the dogs who lose. They don't so let sad. Because they don't want them to breed. Like if a dog quits, they just kill that dog. I remember when uh, everything was going on with Michael Vick, and I didn't yeah. know what he looked like, and I just seen this guy on the front of the newspaper. I go, who's this guy? He's hot. And so I was like, that's Michael Vick. And I was like, oh, that hurts so bad. Oof. Yeah, he was involved in that stuff. I knew a dude uh, at one point in time, he had like 13 dogs in his yard in, uh, I think he was in Oklahoma. And uh, my friend was like, I think he really likes dogs. I go, nah. I go, he's got 13 pit bulls on chains in his yard. I go, that guy fights dogs. Yeah, that's gross. I hate yeah. that. He f he was a dog fighting, gambling guy. So he was breeding dogs for dog fights. That's still going on right now in of this course, country. Yeah. Underground dog fights. I can't see that. 
Like nothing makes me more upset than that. that I think. That's horrible. What's really fucked up is the dogs are wagging their tails. Well, because they think that they're doing good. Yeah, they they enjoy that that fight. God damn it! So awful. It's just so crazy that that's going on right now. So much stuff is going on right now. Yeah. Someone's getting sex trafficked right now. Right now, right across, right across the border. Yeah. Whenever I go to the airport and they have those signs in the bathroom, like if you're being sex trafficked, I'm like, you think they're letting them go in the bathroom? <laughs> oh, right. Fuck. It's just so hard to believe that some people are that evil. Money makes people do crazy stuff, and I think your circumstances too. If you don't have money and you're like, this is something I could do, it's still shitty. But I think some people are like, I have no other choice. Yeah. It doesn't make it right. They have no other choice but to sex traffic? Can't you sell stuff? Yeah, they're selling the women. <laughs> I think it's the amount of money, too. Yes, I think if you're selling you know, <clears throat> knives door-to-door, -door, you're not making as much. He's like, I tried doing this for a year. I was making a lot of money. Knives door-to-door. -door. Imagine having enthusiasm for that job. No. Fuck. This is how you have to feed yourself. Sell knives. I remember when I first started doing stand-up, I would bark for stage time, which is basically like... Hey, do you want to come to a comedy show? And like, I was so bad at it because people would just be like, no. And I'd be like, all right. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. This is so, I mean, I felt so dumb doing it. Did you develop strategies on like how to talk to people? No. No. <laughs> I just hated it. I like, it's weird to just be on the street as a salesman and be like, hey, come to this show. And I think that's only a New York City thing. It might be. Have you seen it before? I've seen it here on 6th Street. And oh, in Austin? For other things too. They for stand up shows? For stand-up, yes, and I've seen it for other shows here, too. No shit. For not shows. I wonder yet, if they like, got it from New York. I wonder. I, wonder. I don't hmm. know. I haven't paid attention. I mean, I, I'd always heard of it but. primarily as a New York thing. I knew a lot of New York guys used to do that in the early days. Yeah, and especially in Manhattan, everyone's walking, so you can yeah. just catch people like that. Yeah. But I was not good at it at all. Manhattan's an interesting place for comedy, you know, because there's so many clubs. So many clubs, even so many like good bar shows and like lounges. So mm -hmm. you can get a lot of stage time. Yeah. And there's a lot of comics there too. There's so many comics. And yeah. a lot of people kind of sprung up after the pandemic too. Like a lot of people that had like social media, big social media presence. And then they just kind of switched into stand up. Like if mm. you're just doing funny videos. Right. So I think there's more people like that too doing stand up. Well, if your job got taken away from you during the pandemic, I would imagine that would be a good time to try stand-up. If you'd always wanted sure, to do it. Sure, while you're getting money from the government, of yeah. course. How many open mic nights do they have? Do they have a lot of open mic nights in Oh, New there's York? mics every night. Really? You can do probably like six a night if you like set it up right. You could do a ton of mics. Wow. But they're expensive. What do you mean? You gotta pay. You gotta what? pay like five bucks or buy a drink or... Because like, what are they getting out of it if you don't do that? What is like... This bar getting you have out to of it or pay something. to do stand up. Yeah. Wow. And you're doing it for other comics, so you're not doing it for like audience usually. Oh Sometimes, my God. But <laughs> most of the time, and people still don't quit. <laughs> wow. You think so, it would weed them out? What kind of an audience are you talking about? Like, how many people are supposed to be there? I mean, I haven't done it in a long time, but when I was doing it, you're say there's 15 comics on the mic, you're doing it for those 15 people. And if That's it's a it. random bar, maybe some people will come in off the street or like at the bar. But yeah, you're doing it for comics. So you're paying to do comedy to your peers. Yes. Wow. Why am I surprised by that? I don't know. That does. Ah, never mind. 
What? Go ahead. It sounds a lot like that. Why not just go to stand up school then or classes or whatever, you know? Well, paying for. I think it is. It is stand up school. But it's like there's no teacher. Right. But it is stand up school. It's just like you're, you're on a path. Yeah. I mean, that's. I know in other places, like my friend had come from Seattle and was doing stand up. She said, like, in Seattle, there's an actual audience. Like, mm. you know, there might be 100 people, so it's a show. Yeah. But in New York, that's not, it's a lot of comics in the audience. Hmm. Comics who are, like, looking at their own notes and not necessarily paying attention. Do any of the good clubs have open mics? Like, does the cellar have an open mic night? No. I know the stand has an open mic night and maybe New York Comedy Club. I think you kind of have to have an open mic night. The, the cellar doesn't. Hmm. It seems like it would be better if they did. I know it wouldn't be better financially. You know, it's always no. But if you did it during the day when you're not having shows anyway, yeah. it's just people need places to go up, and they, it's like if if your growth process is dependent upon you doing stand up in front of fifteen comics. Well, that's why you know you start barking, or I would intern for like ten hours on a Friday night seating the customers, and then like get a five minute spot. You had an intern. Yeah, I did wild stuff. Like, that's how I, I came up doing stand-up, because I was like, the open mics are just, like, other new comics. So so you would intern, meaning you'd work for free. I'd work for so free. So that you could do a five-minute set. And may, and a lot of times that set's going to get canceled. So you'd work for free. Work for and free. And never get compensated. No. no you either sometimes got a spot or sometimes didn't. Wow. So you'd work for free for 10 hours? Yeah. For a five-minute spot. Mm-hmm. That may not happen. Well, that will fucking weed out the week. Yeah, but, like, not... Like, my family life was so dysfunctional that that seemed normal. <laughs> I was like, this seems like... Okay, this seems average to me. <laughs> like I, just used to disappointment. Yeah, you're just used to it. You're like, this seems average. This seems like what I've been dealing with. Wow. Well, you found your tribe. I found my tribe. Yeah. <laughs> Wild tribe. It's just so interesting when you meet someone like Ari, like when I met him at the very beginning and to see him now. It's funny. Just, it's fascinating watching these uh, broken toys meander their way through our society. It's funny. Me and him were talking last night um, at your club, and he was just talking about, like, I guess dating people and stuff. And he's like, well, you and I are broken. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Adrian. <laughs> he's like, nobody's nobody's going they want to date somebody like you he's like you need a lot of time to yourself and i was like oh he's not wrong Mm. and he's the same way too like he just he was telling me about like this couple he had met that they live they're married 40 years but they live in different houses Mm. and he's like they they have a great relationship they don't fight about like the little things that a lot of people do when you live together And he's like they have a great relationship and i was like that's not the worst idea it's not the worst idea the idea that you have to be in the same house together, it's like, says who? Like, yeah. people like a little space. Yeah, I mean, at one point I had a two-bedroom apartment. Me and my ex-boyfriend slept separately. I mean, we were also had a terrible relationship, but, like, we had our own bedrooms. Mm. Like, I wouldn't be opposed to that. It doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world. But whenever you see a couple where they don't sleep in the same bed anymore, you're like, oh, sad. I know. We all judge them, but I'm like, Shh, they're sleeping great. That's Mark's room. Over there, I sleep over here. I know, but if you say it like that's his room, this yeah. is my room. I think you gotta figure out how we were saying it. Yeah, and then also some people like to sleep in the room really fucking cold. Mm-hmm. 
That shit's annoying if you don't like that. I like I like like a fan all year round. Oh, I like the noise. The noise. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about like static noise that does help you sleep. Yeah. I just like it. I like the sound of an air conditioner like in the summer. I slept uh at this house in Malibu once by the ocean. And uh I, I we rented it out for a couple months. And uh when you're in bed and you just hear the shh. That sounds like really relaxing. <sighs> It is. So it's, it's weird. It's like it's like hypnotic. Yeah. And it's also it's so powerful. You're 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 laying down at the base of just insane force of nature. This immense body of water, and you've got the audacity to, to sleep right at the edges, it. at the edges where this impossible amount of water laps up. That's where you want to put your house. I've had nightmares <laughs> about like just a tsunami. Just like engulfing my house. I'd loved being at that place, but it was very illuminating. It's very illuminating why rich people want to live like right on the water in Malibu. Because I was like, why do they want to live right next to each other like that? That's crazy. And then you like rent a house there and you're like, oh, I get it. This is like magic. There's something magic love, about the water being right in front of I would love to live you. on a beach. It's magic. It's like it gives you magic energy. It's crazy. Is there something about it, like being right there? It's like, wow, this feels, it feels like I'm on a drug. And it's so calming. So calming. But at nighttime, it's terrifying. The same water that looks so inviting in the daytime. It's blue, and you see the seagulls, and it's beautiful. At nighttime, it becomes an angry monster that can swallow civilization. Just dark, dark black. You don't know what, you can't see anything. You don't know what it is. It's an immense thing. And at any point in time, the earth could just have a little shift, and then a fucking big one comes in. And it just, all the way to Arizona. Just all the way to Arizona. I think anything at night is a lot scarier. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll come home 3 o'clock at night, and I'll have to park two blocks away, and I'm just like, I have, like, you know, pepper spray in my hand, and yeah. I have the whole thing. Yeah. Whereas during the day, it's, like, just different. I know. A different thing. Some things are really scary, but only in certain circumstances. Like, babies are never scary. But if you were in a moonlit forest and mm -hmm. you're walking through the forest, you saw a naked baby just staring at you by itself, you would shit your pants. I would definitely not help it. If you saw a baby just standing upright, just looking at you naked, yeah. in a moonlit forest, in the middle of nowhere, you had to hike in. And you see a naked baby, you're like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. First of all, I'd be like, where's this kid's parents? Right, for sure. <laughs> for sure he... you'd be where this kid's parents. But you'd also be like, why is there a naked baby staring at me like a grown person? It's got to be evil. Right. Anything you'd... at night like that, it's evil. You'd think it's a demon. And during the day, you're like, look at this baby, it's standing. <laughs> if I was a demon, I would disguise myself as a baby. It's a good move. Everybody thinks you're cute. Or a cute dog. Or a cute dog. Yeah. Definitely not that whippet. Yeah. They were kind of cute. They still had a cute face. You know, they didn't have a mean, like, pit bull-looking face. They had a like, yeah, cute whippet face. I would pick something else over it. They have cows like that, too. Really? Yeah. When not on <clears throat> Jack, they look like yeah, they're cute. greyhounds. Yeah. yeah, they do. Whippets are really Wait, fast, too. That's what they look like That normal. looks like a greyhound. Yeah, real similar. So what is the little difference? Cutie. Look at that little cutie. Um, it's this myostatin inhibitor gene. This oh. gene is fucked up on some of them. <clears throat> it's oh, it's related to the greyhound. 
It makes sense. It looks a lot uh, like and it. And apart from its smaller size, closely res- resembles it, sometimes described as the poor man's greyhound. Yeah, they're fast little fuckers. Um, what is that myostatin gene? Like, what is what what causes that? Because it, it happens in cows, too. They've had it in, in dairy cows. It's crazy. Like, you see a cow just fucking super so hulk. So if you drink that milk, are you going to get no. ripped from no, it? No, it's a gene thing. Yeah, it's an inherited muscular disorder. Kids have, have had to it, too. With. Human kids yeah. have gotten it. Really? Yeah, what's crazy. You see, like, a baby that looks like a bodybuilder. It's weird. It's, it's a deficiency. A deficiency. Yeah, it's a myostatin inhibitor. Myostatin deficiency whippet type is an inherited muscular disorder affecting whippets. Dogs that inherit two copies of the mutation associated with myostatin deficiency. Whippet type have broad chest and overly developed muscles, especially of the neck and legs, as well as an overbite. Um, see if you can find that in cows. Myostatin, just write myostatin cows. Yeah, so look at that cow. Look at the size of a dairy cow. That's a girl. <laughs> look how jacked she is. <laughs> I wonder if that's more attractive to the bulls. I wonder, right? Are they like, like that one? Bulls hot. that are in the, like a guy who's in a CrossFit chicks. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Isn't that wild? Look at the size of that goddamn thing. Yeah. It's Born huge. without the protein myostatin. Yeah. So myostatin, I guess, is what uh, regulates muscle growth. Or it has and if you don't do have it, regu- it's yeah. not regulated. That's why they, they were experimenting with that with human beings too. And I know, uh, I'm sure, like Eastern Bloc countries are doing that for the Olympics and shit like that. I would imagine. But um, yeah, they did it to mice. Look at the the musculature on these mice. It's crazy. What's crazy is they just skin these mice, and we don't give a fuck. If I see one mice. of those in my house, I'd move out. Look at the fucking back on that dude. Um, <laughs> what what they've done it, but like people have been born with it too. I know that there was like a German boy that was born with it. He was fucking jacked, like a little kid. It's crazy. Yeah. So, like, how's that kid going to play sports? Like, what's going to happen? That's not fair. It's like you're playing sports with the Hulk. I mean. We'll find out in, like, 15 years. Yeah, I guess we will. The greatest running back of all time. Like, nobody can stop him. I just just like playing chess. I really don't want to be on on the football team. He's like the Hulk playing chess. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he rebels because everybody wants him to get into physical pursuits. And he's like, fuck you. Yeah. Look at that kid. Net nuts. Vietnamese boy. So he's got it. That dude's going to be popular in high school. That is crazy. Nuts. Isn't that nuts? Imagine going to school with that kid. You'd be so jealous. Like, God damn it. Wouldn't you love it if he's your brother, though, and anyone picks on you? Unless your brother wants you to fucking eat shit. <laughs> well, that's true. He makes you eat shit, but he also sticks up for you at school. Yeah, if he's a good brother. But if your brother's mean and he's got that, you're fucked. I feel like you torture your your brother or sister, but you don't let somebody else do it. I know guys that had terrible brothers who beat them up all their life. But did they let other people also beat them up? If someone's beating you up, but they protect you from being occasionally beaten up by others. It's the price you pay. Is that, I'm not willing to make that. You have to sleep with in the same fucking house as that asshole. Who yeah, but your you parents hopefully are there sometimes, and they're stopping it sometimes. Oh, now you're unrealistic. Maybe he's teaching a, he's going to make a fighter. Parents. Yeah, you do make fighters. That's what I'm talking about. A lot of the guys that I'm talking about are fighters. They were just really beaten up by their brothers. And they're the, they're the scariest guys because they're not afraid to fight because they fought their whole life. And it doesn't matter if they're little either. Mm-hmm. They're scrappy. Yeah, one of the best guys ever in the UFC, Matt Hughes. 
former welterweight champion, had a brother who's his twin. And they were both like elite wrestlers and they both just beat the fuck out of each other. <laughs> and it led to him becoming the UFC welterweight champion of the world and See? one of the greatest of all time. I mean, that is. It's just like the guy that went to prison it, it and became a lawyer. It can happen that way. Yeah. A negative turns into a positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see it that way. <laughs> I knew another dude, though. He got beat up by his brother and it just destroyed his confidence his whole life. His whole life. I became friends with him, like, in my 20s. and That sucks. It was a bummer, man. He could just, like, not get past it. He couldn't, you know, I wonder if M he had never done MDMA. I hadn't either at the time. I wonder if that would have helped him in any way to just recognize what the root of it was, but it just like really fucked with his confidence. He would get like really close to getting good at stuff, but he almost had like this self-defense, self-sabotage thing that would kick in because everybody had already t always taken things from him. Like it had, oh, okay. it had always been like he thought things were gonna go well and his brother just fucked it up and beat him up or took things from him, humiliated him. And so he never felt like real success. So he was always scared to get to like progress in life. So he'd always self sabotage right. his life because he just thought everything yeah. was going to turn to shit. But he was a good guy and a smart guy, and just trapped by this childhood, you know, repeated beatings that he got. All right, yeah. Joe. Well, maybe it's not great always. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not always going to turn out well. Sometimes it's good though. Sometimes it's good. Some if the brother's a good guy, if you're both good good people like you know brothers fight and they make up and they apologize sure just like friends do you know friends fight and make up something when you're young me and my sister would fight a lot fist fight? kids yeah Ooh. you're three years apart i remember my mom was like still hitting me until i was like about 16 and then at one point i was like hey i'm gonna hit you back and then she stopped because at some point you become almost like right, right. yeah but Yikes. that's kind of how like we grew up. Like, my mom got into a fist fight at my sister's kindergarten graduation. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're fighting over fucking kindergartners? No one cares. Oh They've God. accomplished nothing. Oh, my God. I watched a shooting over a high school football game. Oh, my God. I saw that, too. Oh. That was terrible. Oh, it's so horrible. So sad. Just such a fucking, just a terrible thing where just... People with their kids and emotions and sports, people get so nutty with their kids with sports. You know, I am, I like, I'm like big on like saying you did a great job and cheering and stuff like yeah. that. But I would never yell about the other team. And some no. parents are like, what about him? What about offense? What about, you know, what about that foul? What about that foul? He's a cheater. He's a cheater. Yelling. Like, that's a six-year-old. Like, yeah. you out of your fucking mind? Like, let them play. It's his play. You should clap when they do a good job. Just say, yeah. was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Well, was it hard? Was it hard to make that goal? Like, talk to them. But don't get too goddamn emotionally invested in a fucking game your kid's in. Like, cheer. Be enthusiastic for them. But fuck. People get so hyped. That's a bad call. And they jump up, and next thing you know, gunshots. Fuck. That's crazy. Now you've really ended the game. There's no way to even recover from this right now. <laughs> you've ended your whole life. You've ended your whole life. Your like, whole life The game's is also fucked. done. I think, too, sometimes, <sighs> like, parents also think they can push their kids to be, like, great athletes, and then they'll be famous. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, there's also, like, your kid's going to do the thing that you didn't do. Right. 
yeah, you wanted to do, but you didn't do it. What's interesting is my mom kind of got me into stand-up because she did stand-up, and then she quit, and then she got me into it, and then when she saw I was doing some stuff, she was like, I'm going to go back into it. Wow. Yeah. Is she doing it now? She does. She does a lot of urban rooms. Really? Yeah. Is she good? She's funny. She, I mean, like, we're a little bit different, but, like, she still has that same dark sense of humor, but she won't. She doesn't really do those jokes. Like, sometimes she'll think of something, and she's like, you could you could do this. <laughs> like, she one time we were clothes shopping, and she'll always say something like, "If she'll take two larges, and she's like, well, one large might be bigger than the other because the kids that are making them, maybe one of the kids was tired. Like, so she'll say stuff like that. Mm. And she's like, I can't say that on stage, but you should. So she'll do stuff like that. Um, my whole family was funny, though, growing up. So was that just... When when did you first think about doing stand up? Um, I was probably like in my early twenties. Like I always wanted to be on SNL. I never really wanted to do stand up comedy. I wanted to be on SNL. And then my mom was like, "Well, if you want to be on SNL, you have to like do stand up." So then I just started doing stand up, and then I started liking it. But like I didn't want to be a stand up comic as a kid. Really? Yeah. What was it like? Was who was the the people on SNL? Like what era was was this? Will Farrell, you know, Chris Farley, those guys. Like, that was the people that I kind of grew up with and loved. Yeah. Molly Shannon, Sherry O'Terry, like, that whole crew. Mm, yeah, that was a great crew. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was like, oh, I want to do that. And she yeah. was like, well, you have to do stand-up. And I had zero interest in doing it. Had you done any drama or anything in school? You know, we did, like, plays as, as kids. I, I was like, in The Sound of Music, I played that lady. <laughs> 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 Doe, a deer, uh, yes. a female yeah. deer. That's so like awesome. I did stuff like that. Um, but I just, I don't know. I was always kind of like a class clown as a kid. Oh. So then I wanted to do that. And now I'm like not really the same as that. It's weird. Because you get it all out on stage? Or no, but I'm just saying I was like a class clown, but I was also like loud and like boisterous where I'm not that same person anymore. Mm. Or I don't think I am anyway. What calmed it? I don't know. I think just depression (laughs) 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 i don't know i think as a kid i just even though my life looking back was not ideal i still felt really happy you know like i didn't realize like all the issues as a kid really so Mm. i don't know and then where'd you start out Oh, um, New York City. I'm from New York. Right. I've lived in the Bronx my whole life. So I started in New York. So it's also weird, too, because you're like starting in a place where people don't move until they're really good. Mm. So I started in New York uh, and just being shitty. Where did, did, where did you start at a bar? Where did you start? The first place I went to was in Brooklyn. It was, I guess, an open mic. It was in like a big Italian restaurant. There were four people there. What year was this? 2004. Wow. My mom was there. My mom went on. She did well. <laughs> and then I went up, and I was, like, so high energy because I was so nervous. And I remember one of my jokes was about, like, I was working in the South Bronx as a crimes victims advocate at the time, and I got pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt while someone was selling drugs right near me, and I was like, just the lunacy of it. <laughs> Where I was like, why am I getting, this guy's clearly selling drugs to somebody. And that was, like, one of my first jokes, something like that. And then when you got off stage, did you think this is something I'm going to do more of? Were you? Yeah, I, I think because that show went well, even though there were four people, I was like, I'm going to keep doing this. 
that show went well and there was four people. There were four went people. Wild. And it was in a huge Italian restaurant that was like closing. Like they were like going out of business. So there was nobody there. Wow. And so then when was the next one? I didn't wait that long. Um, maybe a couple of days later. I remember like driving into Manhattan and going to do this uh, open mic called Collective Unconscious. And it's like wild. Like there was a guy there at one point that had like elephantitis. So he would go on stage naked and his balls were humongous and he had like this tiny dick and it. He was making people uncomfortable because he was doing he was like naked the whole show, like sitting in the audience. And people were like, you got to wear clothes until you get on stage. <laughs> And he was like, all right. But, like, he would just be sitting there, like, his bare ass is on the chair. And you're just, right. So people were like, hey, can you put your clothes on? Yeah, what if I drop a chip? Yeah, can you just wear your clothes until you're on stage Mm. doing that? God. But that was, like, a weird collection of people. Yeah, I would would imagine a guy that would fit in there. Just everything, like, Where they would, the only requirement would be just wear your clothes until you get on stage. And not at first. They let him do that until he was creepy. So, like, if he didn't act like a creepster, he could have just... He could have just been naked the whole time. Act like a creepster. Yeah, but like they were okay with it at first. They were like, mm. "All right," and it's not like he did anything great on stage. It was just seeing his huge balls, <laughs> which is nuts. I don't know how, how you're big? like <laughs> elephant tights. They're like this big. They're huge. So like as big as a head. Maybe like half of that. Half like, a head. Half a head for one though, and ha- so like yeah, maybe that whole thing. Jesus. And then like you can't even see the dick. <sighs> Well, he wants you to feel bad for him. I didn't even feel bad. I was just like, gross. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really care about your fucking big balls. Did you find out about the different mics from your mom? No. I went on to, uh, like, there's a couple of websites you go on to where the, they have a bunch of different open mics, and you could do a couple. And I remember I, it was a lottery. So if there's 30 people and you get picked first, you could pick where in the lineup you want to go. And I would just pick, like, 30 because I was so nervous. Mm. I just stay there for hours. Wow. Yeah. It's an interesting group of people, though. And then sometimes my mom would come to come with me, and at that time I was dating a guy who would also come, so the three of us would go. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Were they encouraging? Yeah. Like, you mean my mom? Yeah. And the guy you're dating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, me and him met. We were both brand new. And then my mom was encouraging because I think she was just like, well, maybe – you'll hit it and you'll help me. And I was like, it should be the other way around. <laughs> it's interesting the people that you meet when you're doing open mics. It's a fascinating, fascinating introduction to like this weird world. Of weirdos. Of weirdos and desperation and mental illness and... Mental illness. A lot of mental rampant. illness. Yes. Like, like really nutty people. Yeah. And you could do anything there. So you could not only do comedy, you could do like poetry, you could yeah. sing... So it was like a variety open mic kind of. Wow. And you can get upstairs and show your balls. Yeah. That guy was doing Did anybody that. ever try to do that that had regular balls after that? Because imagine if they found out there's a place you could just get naked in front of people and they had to look at you. I mean, I not while I was there. I never seen anyone that was like following him with like regular balls. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, here's the big ball guy and now the small ball guy. Yeah, I mean, like that's what I'm asking. Like once a precedent is set that you could be on stage naked. Like, is it only if you look weird? I think they would let you do whatever you wanted there as long as it wasn't, a f- like, creeping people out. Like, they'd probably let you go on stage and spread your ass cheeks and stuff <laughs> in it. Like, I think they would be open to whatever you wanted to do, but you had to try. You were just, you could set a precedent every time, you know? Mm. 
Thank God for people like that running those kind of establishments. It was fun. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, my mom would come sometimes. She'd be like, that guy's really talented, but he would just be like an alcoholic. She'd be like, he's not going to go anywhere. And I never mm. seen him after that. But like, yeah, a lot of people in comedy, it's not the funniest people that make it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I remember a lot of people that were really talented in the early days. I'm like, why is this guy not making it? And then there was a lot of people that were really talented, and then they were on their way to making it. Like, they were doing well and headlining, and then they just fell apart. Like, something in their life happened, or like... Yeah, schizophrenia. Like, th there's that with some of them, you know, or some other sort of mental disease. Yeah. You know, sometimes people crack. There's a lot of pressure involved. I'm just thinking that just the, just the pressure of constantly performing doing sets, writing new material, having to sell tickets, doing radio. Doing, sure, yeah. There's a lot of stress in that. And then I think for some people, when things start getting more and more hectic, whatever problems that they... And as you get older, too, like people that are like tend to have mental illnesses, they exacerbate. They get better. They get worse, rather, when they get older. I could see that, especially if it's not treated. Yeah. So a lot of these people, like, you would meet them, and then, you know you did open mics together. Like you, you, you were in the trenches together, start out, and then you see him like 20 years later and it didn't work. Like they, they, you know, see him at an open mic night again and they're still doing kind of the same material. I've seen that like, too. Ooh. People that were really talented and ooh. they just, you know, lost it to drugs or alcohol or yeah. you're like, oh, that's a shame because that person definitely could have went far. How I many think. people out of the starting class of you, where you were at, where the people you remember in the early days are still around? A bunch. I mean, I don't know. I guess I went to a lot of different open mics and shows. So, but there's a lot of people I kind of started with. I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I remember like some. I've watched. I've also watched people quit, and I've seen the moment they've quit. Mm. Like I remember being at a show, and this guy was like humping the stool. And this other guy couldn't get on the show, and he saw that, and he's like, I can't believe I can't get on this show. And then he quit. That was it. He's like, they're letting this guy hump a stool. And then that guy, who I thought would have went far, because he was, he was talented. I mean, not humping the stool wasn't great, but, like, he was talented. And then, like, all the clubs he worked at closed, and he quit. Like, he didn't just mm. go to another club. He just was like, all right, I'm going to sell real estate. Yeah. You have to be really mentally ill to stay the path. Absolutely. That's why I think I did all that stuff and just thought it was normal. Like, I I yeah. didn't think, like, I shouldn't be treated like this. Yeah, I didn't have a path that was nearly as hard. I was really lucky that in Boston in the 1980s, there was a lot of open mic nights at legitimate clubs. Mm -hmm. So I started Stitches, which was a legitimate club in Boston. It was a great club. And uh, on the open mic nights, not only was it an open mic night, but it was hosted by a professional, this guy George McDonald, and then a lot of really good professionals from town would stop in. So you get to see people that were just so much better than, than you. You get to see, like, these brilliant comedians. And so it was a real good scene for development because all the clubs had an open mic night. Every club had an open mic night. Was there audience or it was just? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would go to an open mic. Like, the, when I went to an open mic night, there was, like, 50 people in the crowd. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a lot better. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was good because, first of all, they called it comedy hell. 
It was uh, George McDonald, who was a known stand-up in mm-hmm. Boston. So he was, like, headlining all over the place ever. Uh, anyway, so people knew who he was. And then he would go on. And he was, a, like, a real veteran. He'd been doing comedy forever. And he was one of the guys that came up through the ding-ho and, you know, that whole uh, When Stand-Up Stood Out documentary. Have you ever oh, seen yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Amazing. That was right? really good. That was all about those guys. Right. And so you could always get people that would go because he would always be funny anyway. It's only, like fucking five bucks to get in or something like that and you go and have yeah. a couple of drinks and hopefully somebody funny will come by and you as an open micer got to go on stage in that environment it was incredible it was amazing so did you mean a lot of comics that like took you on the road no no um mostly what happened was i did well enough in open mics that um one guy took me on the road. That was actually George's brother, Warren. Warren McDonald took me on the road. That was the first time I ever got paid. And the second time I ever got paid, um, someone had introduced me to this guy, Mike Clark, who was Lenny Clark's brother. Okay. So I got to open for Lenny Clark the second time I ever got paid. It was insane. That is insane. Because he had already done HBO. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lenny you know, was super sweet to me. He said, I'm really funny. He gave me a bunch of advice. And then his brother started using me. So his brother would use me to open in these like weird little bar shows all over the country, all over like the New Hampshire area, Connecticut. He had like gigs everywhere. And you would go and do these fucking crazy bar shows. So I learned how to do stand up from mostly from going on the road, mostly doing bar shows. Right. So like a year in, I was just traveling, doing a half an hour. That's how people are doing stand-up outside of New York. Yeah. Didn't you say you don't like performing in Connecticut? Connecticut sucks. It's a terrible state. You know I did like a charity show there and I got taken off stage. Ah! They pulled you (laughs) off stage? Yeah. For what? So. Oh, uh, I heard about this. That was Connecticut. That was Connecticut. Okay, so what happened? Um, so I, you know, it was like 500 people there. There's, I guess they were making, uh, it was for kids that were like, you know, less fortunate, I guess, giving them food or, you know, opportunities or whatever. And, uh, I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. So the girl before me is doing really well. She did a joke about pedophiles. I get on stage and I was like, oh, I wasn't going to do my joke about that. But I was like, oh, these people love that joke that she did. And this is allegedly... So I don't I don't know exactly why, but allegedly this is why I think I was taken off stage. So I'm going up. I'm doing well. I'm getting like applause break. So I'm like, oh, I could definitely do this joke. <laughs> and the joke is about how I want to be rich, but not too rich. I want to stop right before it's okay to fuck kids. And these <laughs> these are very rich people, and I didn't think they were that rich. And one of the punchlines is like about comparing like poor pedophiles to rich pedophiles and how like a poor pedophile is like a guy that works at UBS that fucks a kid and it's sad, but like how rich people fuck kids and it's like a party. You know, they're on a boat high-fiving each other. And I did that joke and I lost a lot of the audience. And I was like, okay. And then I did a couple more jokes and it was like definitely different in the room. And then somebody came on stage and got me off and I was like, what's weird is like everyone's like, aren't you mad? I'm like, no, this is not my first charity show I've gotten taken off stage. <laughs> like I shouldn't do these shows. And whenever people ask me, I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for this. How many minutes were you in before you 15. told it? So you'd kill him for 15 minutes. Yeah. And I think I can definitely do this joke because this girl, now her joke wasn't as specific. But what I was told later is like, allegedly, there's a guy in the community who was a rich pedophile with a boat that was... <sighs> fucking kids in the community and i was like uh, i'm like how why would i know that and i was like oh that makes uh, a lot of sense 
damn it, if you didn't do that joke, you would If I didn't do that joke, I would have been fine, because they liked me. They really did like me. Oh, my God, you were making fun of them, and you are being mean to I them. I didn't think they were rich enough. I didn't think they were, fuck, kids rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, it was probably just one guy. Yes. That, well, okay, but maybe. I but don't know. The pedophile, the rich people pedophile ring is one of the scariest conspiracies. I mean, so I get off stage, I'm fine. Because I, I think I would have been more upset if I didn't get taken off stage at another charity show. And uh, everyone, the other comic, Corey Rodriguez, was like fucking pissed. He was like, aren't you mad? I'm like, hey, listen, if they want me off stage, I'll get off stage. I've already gotten paid. I get that. My comedy is not for everybody, and I know that. You know, maybe as an earlier comic, it would have hurt my feelings. But I'm like, I get that. So he goes on stage, and he's like, he's upset about what happened. And there are people in the audience that are also upset. It was like I split the room, which mm. is what I do a lot. And then he was like, well, Adrian's still here, so if you enjoyed her, like, let her know. And then people were standing and clapping, so it was like people that, I had those people and then people who were clapping when I got taken off. Oh. So I was like, yeah, I'm just not doing any more charity shows. Yeah, well, you don't have to at this point. No, and I just don't think I'm right for it, but I no. always ask these people, too, because the guy that booked it, Eddie Brill, who... Uh, I know Eddie. Yeah, he's a great Boston guy. guy, too. Yes, and he was at the, when I opened for my, uh, Louis at Madison Square Garden, he was there and saw it. And he was like, I said to him, I go, do you think I'm right for this gig? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, if they can't take a joke, fuck them. And I'm like, are you sure? You, but Because he had seen a lot of the jokes that I did. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I think you'll be fine. You would have been fine. I would have if I didn't do that one joke. But I didn't, how would I know how that? How would you know? I, there's no yeah. way to know. It's, the joke was fine if it wasn't for that one neighborhood yes. where that actually happened. Yes. How the fuck could you know that? I mean, I've I've made a mistake of doing a school shooting joke too close to somewhere, so then I would start looking that up. Is has there been a school shooting oh, in yeah. this area? I was like, I guess that's a new thing to look up. Jesus, there's no way to know that. Yeah, how could you know that? That's a great story though. Yeah, sounds like they were okay. And they were home. okay, and there were a lot of people in the audience that were still okay, and they were like, we laughed, we thought it was funny, and they're like, fuck them. Yeah. They probably didn't know anybody who knew somebody who had a kid that got fucked. I think they were just like, hey, I, also, I was like, well, that seemed like a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. don't get mad at me. Not only that, I'm sorry the joke was accurate. Yeah. That's what's crazy. That is what's crazy. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere else, you do that joke in Montana, people are laughing their ass off. You do it there. In yeah. That, yeah. So they were like, no, that's not why you got taken off stage. You got. They are saying that I got taken off stage for an adoption joke. What was the adoption joke? You don't have to tell her. Um, I don't know, but there was a lady who had also adopted a kid, and they thought she was interacting with me. They thought that she was angry, and she wasn't. Like, she, when I was talking to her after, she's like, I wasn't upset. Oh, so it was an excuse. I don't know. They're just who saying knows? that, yeah. I don't know. Fuck so allegedly that's what happened, and they're just like, that's not what happened. I'm like, all right. One of my best friends lives in Connecticut, just mm -hmm. for, just. So does one of mine. I love him, but Connecticut, you can suck it. It's weird because, like, I've gone there and done shows opening for Louie, and they've been great. Like, there are people there that oh, are yeah. fun. But then there's also the other people that are like, don't get comedy at all. This is the problem with Connecticut. It's not a real state. It's a highway between Boston and New York. Sure. And the problem is there's no hope there. Like, nobody, like, hopes they move to Hartford. I mean, there are people you know that hope saying? they move to Greenwich, though. Yeah, so you can be with all those boat 
riding pedophile type people? Maybe. Well, there's a lot of rich folks that live in those havens, right, where everything's like tucked away and grand manors and huge houses and yes. Great Gatsby type shit. There's a lot of those folks. But sure. I don't, they're just like people that have a house on an island. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you, are you really from Hawaii or do you have a fucking house in Maui? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they've they've kind of in, incorporated into the area. Yeah, if Connecticut, like, ceased to exist, nobody would care. It's just a weird place because, I mean, I've met a lot of fun people from Connecticut, but it's the place itself has a low vibration. It's like there's not a lot of hope and exciting things. It's not, it's not like going to Manhattan. It's not like going to Boston. It's not like, it's not like you know, going to L.A. It's, not like, it's yeah. not like even like Austin, which is only a million people. It's not like Dallas where it's fun. It's fucking gloomy. There's something gloomy. They have amazing pizza in New Haven, though. Oh, yeah. I know oh, that, that pizzeria. Shit. There are a I'm, lot of pizzerias in New Haven. I like going pizza. to Connecticut because I do like how it is a f- slower pace. Like, I've lived in New York City my whole life. I, like, hate it. If I wasn't doing stand-up, I wouldn't live there. That's where Lyme disease came from. The Bronx? Or Connecticut? Connecticut. That sounds about right. That's their contribution. No. Everybody Lyme disease. I don't know if that's true. Isn't it like Lyme, Connecticut? Is that where it was originally? Isn't that something like that? There's a CIA conspiracy about the uh, Lyme disease. What is the CIA saying? No, 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 no. I mean, not real, not like the CIA saying, oh, okay. but like the the kooks. And I don't even you don't know if they're kooks that it was a bioweapon that accidentally got released. That uh, these infected ticks were part of a lab program. I don't know, maybe. Was it like COVID? Just made in a lot. <laughs> oh. But they definitely do things like that in some countries. Sure. Somewhere. They're de- they definitely make bioweapons. But whether or not Lyme disease is one of them. But well, goddamn, that's a terrible one to get. I know a lot of people that got Lyme disease. But you don't die from it, right? You get fucked up if you don't get it treated quickly. Like, is it like physically debilitating? Oh, debilitating. Depending upon, you know, the severity. Obviously, but um, I know people that have had horrible joint pain, neck pain, spinal that pain. That sucks. They're just in agony all the time. Yeah, and then people have just lost all of their, all their like energy. They just feel depleted. That sucks. And a lot of times they don't even recognize it in people, because if you don't get it treated, if you don't get it uh, diagnosed while you still have like there's like a bullseye ring around the tick bite if when it initially becomes infected. Okay. And if they don't catch that. Um, if they don't find that, then they don't know it's Lyme disease. So they don't start treating you with antibiotics. They might think, oh, you know, seems fine. Your vitals check fine. Uh, And then it progresses worse and worse. And my friend's son was five years old and he developed Bell's palsy. So his face Uh, went numb. And then finally they realized it was, um, it was a tick bite. And finally they realized he had Lyme disease. So they gave him antibiotics and he recovered. My friend was fucked up for at least a year. He had lost a shit ton of weight. He got real skinny. I mean, it really wrecked him. Lyme disease is rough. That sucks. And it's everywhere. There are so many ticks that have Lyme. It's all over the place on the East Coast. I feel like that's not something in the Bronx. <laughs> I don't know if it's in the Bronx. There's not a lot of grass in the Bronx. No, but there, if there's deer, if there's deer, there's ticks. Yeah. Anywhere there's deer. If you see deer and a lot of other animals, there's ticks. Anyone, any place where there's ticks, you might have Lyme. If there's deer in the Bronx, they're lost. <laughs> <laughs> there's a story about a deer that was like in Locust Point, and they're like, "This 
does not belong here. Yeah, they fucked up. Yeah. That sucks, though. You guys have coyotes, though. You mean people? No, actually coyotes <laughs> in the Bronx. Where? They're, it's really, they've photographed coyotes in the Bronx. Where? Like Van Kohler Park like or something? In, in abandoned houses and shit. Oh. It's crazy. I wonder where they're coming from. They're all over the world now, or all the country, rather. Mm. They're in every single state. I have never seen a coyote yeah, in yeah. the Bronx. They're coyote yeah. spotted in the Bronx. Look at that. Uh, where in the Bronx? Oh, River Riverdale's not really the Bronx, though. Right there. Yeah, but that's Riverdale. What's Riverdale? It's like Bronx light. That's what people call it. Well, it's guess like, what? Just because you saw him there, he's on a street. He doesn't know he's in Bronx light. He doesn't he know that. He thinks he's in the Bronx. He's, <laughs> but he's not. <laughs> he's looking he's for in a, Bronx light. Some place where someone threw out pizza. Okay. We're aware of Over the last several decades, coyotes have been expanding their natural range in response to ample food and open habitat, the Parks Department said in a statement. Coyotes are living within the city limits. We're aware of coyotes living in the Bronx, Queens, and Manhattan. Fuck. Yeah. How about that? I might have to kill a coyote. If you kill them, they just make more babies. Well, That's why they're here. That's literally why they're here. When, when you kill coyotes, the female coyotes know that one of them's missing, so they make more pups. I mean, you don't think someone know, you think they know this one's in the Bronx by itself? I don't think it's by itself. You think it's with other people? 100%. With other, with other coyotes? 100%. They're pack animals. They're also cute, too. They're adorable. Until they're jumping over a fence with your chicken in their mouth. Fuck. If I had to, I would kill it. To oh, save yeah. my dog. For sure you would. You'd have to. But it is really cute. It looks like a dog. Well, if you live here, you can carry a gun. The coyote runs up on you, blast them. The coyotes out here, they don't even yell. I went uh, I went to a gun range, and I was like, oh, I love this. I would love a gun. But I think I would. I couldn't have it in the Bronx. No, it's not legal, unfortunately. That's not why. <laughs> I think I would just, anytime someone did something, you would I would just. people? Yeah. I have yeah. very bad uh, road rage. I think it's just from living in New York City my whole life and driving. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Maybe you should move to Connecticut. No fucking way. <laughs> have a nice rural life. <laughs> May, I have to be rich mm. to live there. Would you live in one of those houses, one of them great Gatsby houses? I don't want a big house like that. Those houses are crazy. Yeah, I don't need something extravagant like that. Show me some of them crazy. What is it? What's that one town? Well, it's the Gilded Age. But, uh, but what is that one I town? Wanna West, I want to live in Westchester. It's still, Westchester's It's still nice. pretty close to Manhattan. That's nice. Yeah, I don't want to. That's like an houses. estate. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Succession type shit. Yeah. That's Look at that nice. house. Where that is, is insane. That? That's Connecticut. Those people are fucking. These people are wild. Birds. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That's Who the fuck wild that? money. Look at that one in Eureka, California. Holy it's fuck. It's cool though. Where's Eureka? Uh, I, I don't know where. Like it's in Orange County. But that's where they found anywhere. gold. I guarantee you. Eureka. Yeah, it's in New York. Westbury. Wow, look at that beautiful house. But that's two hundred acres. Who wants that? Me. Yeah, I don't. I've lived in like a helicopter a one... landing pad. That's actually cool. I want to see like the ones that. in Connecticut, though. Do, can you see like mansions? There's like one area of Connecticut where my friend that I was talking about earlier, he actually works at a school there. He lives in Connecticut. And he he said like all these people are billionaires. They all have like these preposterous houses. I mean, that's so much of a house to keep up with. It definitely is. I guess you're rich, though, so you're not keeping up with it. There's not like a website that details them because they're like pretty famous for being extravagant. And they're also everyone's keeping up with the Joneses. So there's like, you know, the guy who's the CEO of biotech down the road. He's got a bigger house. We're going to expand our pool. And so they they're all going ham. You got to do something with that hedge fund money. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if I'd do that. What would you do? I don't know. 
Am I still doing comedy? Yeah. You're not going to stop doing comedy. Um, I don't know. I, I would like, I honestly love animals. I would love to have like a sanctuary for like animals. Yeah. Not all animals, obviously. I should have brought Marshall. I didn't you, know. You should have brought didn't Marshall. I didn't know you were such an animal lover. You'd want to steal him. I know. He's really cute. He's are you saying best. that, aren't you guys going to bring your dogs to go uh, play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me and him. Yeah. His dog Bandit. She's awesome. Or uh, he's awesome. He calls it a girl sometimes, but I think it's a boy. No, I think it's a girl. Is it? I'm pretty sure it's a he girl. He calls it a boy sometimes, too, though. You know. Yeah, he's, that's, yeah. Calls it's a girl, he, though. He makes out with it. Yeah. He's making out with my dog. My I took yeah. my dog here also. Yeah. That, that is weird. I don't even, he, he could die. Like, people have Ari died. Ari would be from, okay with that. I think that. Ari feels like he lives his life to the fullest, and if he died at any point, he'd be like, okay. I bet he'd be shitting his pants the last few hours. Like if he was on that submarine? Uh, yeah. Those or, people finally died, I think. Well, we're, we're not going to know. What they said is that if they made it all the way to the bottom, unfortunately, the bottom is just mud, just undulating uh, mud. And, you know, they might have just sunk right into it. It's, it's horrific. When you hear that they've had moments in the past where they lost contact for hours yeah. with, with other subs and they're still doing it the same way. Like that that whole thing is so insane. That sub can't pilot itself. There's no line attached to it. It just goes down. It's a remote control that's controlling it. The boat has to be above it for it to work. What's interesting to me is like these people went down there to go see the Titanic. If you told me I could watch that on TV, I still wouldn't want to watch it. Like I can't imagine doing that. Brian Simpson pointed this out yesterday. This is what's even more insane. They're not even seeing it through like a big window. Oh, right. You were saying that. They're seeing it through screens. There's cameras on the outside of it, and as they pilot it around, they're seeing it on screens. There's like one small window. What is the point? <sighs> People like to do dangerous shit to say they did dangerous shit. They want to experience things. They want to, yeah. they want to go to the bottom of the ocean and see the Titanic. I know, but like, it's a there's a billionaire, but who are the other people that were with him? Well, one of them was one of the guy's son. He was right. a 19-year-old son. Yeah. Fucking Jesus That's Christ. crazy. Jesus Christ. It's so scary. What a scary way to die. I know, and it's like, it's your own fault. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. Yeah, you chose to do that. And not only that, there was a small window of time where they could do it because the weather was really bad. Oh. Fuck. But didn't they also make it themselves? No, this company has sent, I think... Was it 100 voyages? They've done 100 voyages. No, but I'm saying the actual submarine. Didn't they, like, make this? Yeah. Weren't people saying they got, it like, stuff at Home Depot? Well, there's a company that built it. Mm-hmm. And the company, uh, apparently, there was a whistleblower who had complained that the, the hull was not really uh, established to be able to tolerate the amount of pressure that they were putting it under by several thousand feet. A remote-operated vehicle found five major pieces of debris from the submersible about 16,000 feet from the bow of the Titanic. The Coast Guard said, oh, they're dead. The debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber, Coast Guard Rear Admiral John Mauger said. He said it's not yet clear when the implosion took place. The family of those on board were immediately notified about the discovery. We're now believing that our CEO, Stockton Rush, Shazda Dawood and his son, Suleiman Dawood, Hamish Harding, and Paul Henry Nargalot have sadly been lost. The Titan sub-operator Ocean Gate said in a statement, 
These men were true explorers who shared a distinct spirit of adventure and a deep passion for exploring and protecting the world's oceans. Our hearts are with those five souls and every member of their families during this tragic time. We grieve the loss of life and the joy they brought to everyone they knew. Fuck. Fuck. It says they're unclear now if the victims can be recovered. I don't think people even understand the scope of what you're searching for, like the, the, the amount of area you're talking about. Yeah, and then I wonder if you also put more people in danger if you go looking yeah, for them. Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, this is... If that whistleblower was correct and it imploded because it wasn't really set up to tolerate the depths that they were putting it under, I mean, that is insane. That's insane. And it's so scary. So scary that people would do that. So scary that, like, there was, they fired the guy who was the whistleblower. And apparently there was a bunch of other people that complained as well. Interesting. Yeah, no, it was a serious thing. What was the, pull up that article again that we looked at. It was, uh, it's not like everyone was like, we all agree this is safe. There was quite a few people that were like, this is not safe. This is not the way to do it. And they had said that they were um, cleared by one certain body of, uh, you know, some some group that was examining them, but they hadn't been cleared by them. I don't know. Yeah. If somebody proposed that to you, wouldn't you be like, absolutely not? Fuck that. Fuck that. Whistleblower raised safety concerns about Ocean Gate submersible in 2018. Then he was fired. Original carbon fiber hull wasn't rated for titanic depths, claimed the operations director. It is interesting to go look for the <sighs> Titanic, and then you also have the same yeah. fate yeah. as the people on the Titanic. The worst fate. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you actually knew what you were doing. You are actually yeah. going to the bottom in a submarine. They were on something they thought was going to float. They were going to, like, drink That's tea true. and, like, look out at the icebergs and shit. Well, also, the rich, a lot of the rich people, I think, made it off on yeah. the Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. The company had plans to make 3D scans of it, which I, that's the first time I've heard of that. I don't know if that's what they were doing there, but that's what the company's goal was at some point. Make 3D scans of the Titanic? Yeah. Oh, wow. So they could recreate it somewhere? I get, I'm, it, yeah. The exact? In VR, or computer. Oh, wow. Fuck. Well, what is honestly the purpose of doing that? People like to do things. They love to do too difficult shit. I know, but it's like, do something else. I know. I know, but you can't tell people that. Like, That's true. Like, you know, you can't tell people, hey, stop climbing Everest. Stop. That's true. But at least you're doing that by yourself. You kind of know the risk. I don't know. I mean, this also seems crazy. If somebody's like, would you want to do this? I'd say no. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. But, you know, what makes people skydive? What makes people right. ride bulls? Thrill seekers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess I would, if I was into doing those things, I know right away I'm going to probably, like, I know exactly what could happen, but with something like that where someone's like, hey, this is totally safe, we're all going to be together. I don't know. I just. You fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not totally safe. There's no way it's totally safe. Hey, uh, Jamie, have you seen that bowl that they call God Mode? Somebody sent me this video of uh, there's this bowl that they paid $25 million for. Because it's so insane when they try to ride it. When you see what this bull does to the guy who's riding it's I didn't know a bull could do that. I didn't know a bull could move that way. Look at this bull. 
The bull's name is God Mode. Watch how high the bull gets in the air. It's insane. But, like, you have to know if you do this, you might die. 100%. But look at this guy trying to hang on to this bull. Look at the height this bull's reaching. I mean, that's, that bull's flying. <laughs> that's crazy. Look at that bull fly. I mean, it's the Michael Jordan of bulls. Yeah. Look at the height it's getting. I mean, that thing's six feet in the air, seven he's feet cute. in the he air. He's cute. It's adorable. Uh, it looks like he's going back. He's just yeah, jumping. Video, not this, but the, there's a, I don't know, 20 girls standing in a, a bull ring, and they just let a bull go. Yes. Oh and my. they're all, like, a couple of them got jacked. Like, yeah, of well, course. What, what is wrong with these? I don't happen. even take the subway in Manhattan. Yeah. Why would I ever do anything like this? This bull is still jumping, and no one's on him anymore. How are you going to, what are you going to do? You ain't doing <laughs> shit. He ain't doing shit. But just the fact that the bull keeps jumping like that, even after no one's on him, like, get the fuck off me. That's why he's God yeah. mode. Yeah. But people want to ride that thing. There's someone out there going, fuck it, I'm going to ride God mode. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Not you, huh? No. <laughs> why would I do that? This is a song by Zach Bryan. It's a great song called Open the Gates. And it's about a guy who died riding a bulls and his son goes and rides the same bull and dies i mean it's I like what, it's like what do you think is gonna happen it's a great song <laughs> it's the song sounds great but i mean come on yeah what is gonna happen I'm already yeah tick, this sounds like some tiktok stuff even though we saw it go crazy but i'm i can't find anything else online that says that a bull was sold for 25 million named god Mo. well that could be hard yeah. shit. but what, whatever that bull can do is like <laughs> jesus christ those guys that's a rough life that's a rough life bull riding that is, for me, below getting sex trafficked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, send me in a container somewhere. I don't want to <laughs> fucking, I don't trust this bull. Just so, it's so weird when people choose to do with their life. Yeah, I mean, I guess, too, if you're a real thrill, thrill seeker and you keep doing bigger and bigger things, it must be the same way like you get endorphins from it. I, I don't 100%, know. Yeah, 100%. It's also like the culture of it, I guess. Like, who's the biggest risk taker? Yeah, I guess, right, you know, kind of like... Bobby's going to do it. He's fucking crazy. That's right, boys. Bobby. Right, but that guy might even be scared, and he's like, I got to fucking do this yeah. now, because everyone is like... Come on. It's fake? Well, not fake, because obviously we saw the video, but the most expensive bull sold is $1.5 million uh -huh. in 2020. That one doesn't look like But is that a breeding bull, or is that a riding bull? Uh, even still, I would say well, a riding bull would be less valuable than a breeding bull, wouldn't it? Because you're just riding it for a couple of weeks, and then I mean, you have to sell so many tickets to get the money back. Well, I would imagine that riding bulls don't get hurt very often. But they only work six seconds at a time. Right, but I bet they can do that anytime they want. So wait. Like, if you just give them a couple of days off, I bet like, the riding bulls get right back after it. I don't like, think, I'm good. That's yeah, I don't think the riding bulls are worried in. about that little puny person riding its back. Why is it worth $25 million? Because it's so preposterous that everybody's going to want to see God Mode, and everyone's going to see God Mode's children. Uh, that's what they do with those things. I know, but that's what they do with those things. Those, those riding bulls, when they're really dangerous, they, uh, they breed them. They breed them just like they do with dogs. They breed the most dangerous ones with the most dangerous ones. It makes them the most wildest, bucking, insane, psycho bull, because that's what everybody wants to see you ride. I just don't think they're worth that much. Oh, I believe so. you. Yeah, I'm sure it's some TikTok shit. This is a shit. dumb question. How do you determine which bulls are going to be like riding bulls like that and which ones are just going to be like beef bulls? It's a good question. I wonder if it's a specific type of bull. Does he just act crazy at birth and they're like, that's the one? Right. <laughs> like, how do you know? 
we uh, made people ride bulls on Fear Factor. And it was one of two times in the history of the show where I, I was trying to tell the producers, don't do it. Yeah, it sounds like a bad idea. I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And they're like, they said it's a stunt bull. That's what the, 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 the fucking the stunt guys get say. He's a stunt bull. I go, that bull does not know he's a stunt bull. No. That, that's a fucking bull. They're like, hey, tone it down for this. And the bull's tried trying to get out of the cage before the people got on it. And I was like, no way. Don't do it. Because yeah. you could get stomped. You 100% could get kicked in the face. And it'll change your life. Don't do that. Wouldn't that also be a huge lawsuit for a fear factor? 100%. And they just don't care. They rolled the dice. They rolled the dice. I guess, yeah. Yeah. That's what they did. The other time I told them not to do it, the people had a drink come. But at least that you're not going to die from. I mean, it's gross. You're mm. going to die. You can't die from too much cum, can you? I don't know. I mean, you could definitely die if a bull steps on you, though. Yes. Yeah, you wouldn't die. Did they do that episode of drinking cum? They did. How much cum? A lot. Like, like a beer stein like full this of cum. Much? More. Like that? Donkey cum. So someone's just jerking these donkeys You know why off? donkey cum? Why? Because donkeys uh, don't breed. Because donkey cum's not, not, it's not good for anything. Because donkeys are a hybrid of a, a, a mule and a horse. So this is people that drink donkey piss and uh, donkey geez, cum. I'm going to throw up right now <laughs> just looking saying. at that. That's crazy. Do these people have to keep it down? Yeah. yeah. No, they throw it up eventually. After they swallowed it, then they were allowed to throw up. So somebody for this show had to jerk off donkeys. They actually stick a cattle prod up their asshole, and they shoot like a fire hose. Ah, well, at least someone doesn't have to jerk them off. <laughs> that would be a shitty job. Yeah, they do something where they stick it up his asshole. And just, yikes! Yeah. Ugh. I know. That's gross. It's it gross. Didn't, I gotta be honest, though. Was it mixed with water? It seemed no, very it liquidy. Was it was thick. It seemed liquidy. Mm. I thought it'd be more like a milkshake consistency. Yeah, then these guys are chucking. Here's a, so someone got a hold of the footage, like TMZ or something like that, mm -hmm. and then uh, NBC pulled the episode from America, but they didn't pull it overseas. So like I think it aired in Holland or somewhere like that. So find out where it aired. I mean, the Fear Factor YouTube channel. That's where it is. Oh yeah, you can get, definitely but, get it on YouTube. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so that was a kill the show. Then they're like, that's a wrap. So they, they that canceled was the that end episode. of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They canceled that episode. Uh, they never aired that episode. And then they canceled the show. It's so crazy. <laughs> Over Donkey Come. Isn't that nuts? It was awesome. It was perfect. It was perfect. Oh, gross. Perfect way to end. Yeah. And nobody saw it except in Holland. A lot of people saw it on YouTube, though. I didn't We've know talked it about it a gang of times. Oh, okay. So I... more people ever saw it than they would have seen it if it was on TV, for Is sure. It... I don't know. Is it worse for to be the person that like drank all that cum and then it didn't air? No, it's probably better. But it did air. But didn't you say it aired only in Holland? Yeah, but it airs on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to find out. It's drinking like, cum on YouTube is, you're going to get some hits. You're going to get some views. Imagine going on a job interview and they're like, did you drink that donkey cum? Were you one of the twins? Because it was twins. It was and you're like, no, that's my sister. My sister did it. So one had to drink piss. The other one had to drink cum. What would you drink? Piss. Come is chunky. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a gross. lot of protein. Mm. I would yeah. imagine it would affect your just everything in there. Piss is just dirty water. If you're drinking water, you're drinking dinosaur piss. Mm, I love it. Do you know that? Like mm. all water on Earth at one little... point in time, if you just think statistically, the hundreds of millions of years that dinosaurs were around, all that water at some point in time was filtered out of a dinosaur's dick. That sounds insane and not true. 
I think it's true. I don't think that's true. Let's see. I don't know. Okay. Thing. All water. <laughs> what, How what would you a, Google that? A, if, is your work computer just the, like have the worst stuff on it? It's a separate browser. <laughs> yeah. Well, how would you phrase that? Uh, <laughs> Every glass of water you drink originally was in dinosaur urine. Dinosaurs drink the same water as us. Or originally was dinosaur urine. I want it to be urine. I want it to be real specific. All the water you drink came from dinosaur urine. Just be ridiculous. Um, well, the way I asked it, or here, someone did ask the question you're asking, right? Are you, you are, yeah, you are drinking dinosaur pee every day. Here's why. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you are drinking dinosaur pee every day. Here's why. From Tech Times. The average American drinks four cups of water every day, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This is far short of the recommended eight glasses, blah, blah, blah. Whether it's tap, filtered, bottled, sparkling, or sourced from the Himalayan glaciers and sparkled with gold dust, you are actually drinking the liquid waste of an ancient beast, says a science-centric YouTube channel, Curious Minds. A video explaining this theory says that every small percentage of all the water in the world is available for drinking purposes, but it's still a huge amount of water to provide for the needs of every human being that's ever walked on the surface of the earth for the last 200,000 years. Every year, around 121,000 cubic miles of water, about the equivalent of 42 Lake Superiors, falls down on earth, constantly flows through the rivers, lakes, ground, reservoirs, and everywhere else it passes through, including inside the guts of people and the animals that drink it. So... What do dinosaurs have to do with all this? Unlike humans who have been on Earth for a tiny fraction of the 186 million years that dinosaurs ruled the planet, the, the, the beasts were here far longer than we have ever been. In that long span of time, it's very likely that the dinosaurs have drunk all the water available back then. And then all the water available now is simply water that has passed through a dinosaur's kidneys, making its way through the never-ending water cycle. That's crazy that dinosaurs were around for 186 million years. Yeah. If you told me they were around for 100 years, I would have believed it. Mm. <laughs> I know nothing about dinosaurs. Yeah, they were around forever. If it wasn't that's, for that rock, they'd still be around. That's crazy. Yeah. And now we get to drink their piss. That's what's interesting about life on other planets. Like, if something like the dinosaurs does exist, it takes something like the Yucatan impact to, to kill them. And then the little scrambly little rodents and shit eventually evolved to become humans. But if mm. that doesn't happen forever and ever and ever, it's just dinosaurs fucking things up. And no one ever builds a house. Just, no one ever gets a Tesla. Just pissing. Yeah, every time you go outside, raptors tear you apart. There's, you, you live in like tiny caves. Ugh. And they try to find you in there and they drag your kids out. Yeah, they, they send a little raptor in there and they grab your kid by the feet. You, you crawl into little tunnels and holes as they nip at you and try to claw away at the rocks to get to you. You never develop tools. Yeah. You never develop anything. You barely stay alive. You probably go extinct. Somehow that submarine thing sounds less worse than that. Yeah, Being probably. torn apart by a raptor. If you lived in that era, I think everything ate everything. Probably. And the only way you didn't get eaten if you were like a stegosaurus where you're just covered in armor just to keep things from eating you. I mean, imagine, like, what kind of fucking hard life you have to be living in to develop the kind of skin a Stegosaurus has. Just armor everywhere you are. Like a Triceratops, yeah. everywhere you are, armor. Just to keep you from getting consumed. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm drinking, a, that's the bright side of the impact. I'm drinking dinosaur piss. Yeah, we're drinking dinosaur piss, and that's the, the bright side of uh, apocalypse caused by an asteroid impact.
It's not that bad. It's pretty good. It's way better than dinosaurs still being being around. And it's way better than Donkey Kong. Yes. Yeah. Not that I know, but I assume this is better. My coffee is dinosaur pissed. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed with other crap. No, just coffee. So you don't put anything in it, like no, no milk or anything. No, it's just black. Black coffee's tough. I like to put something in it so it's not as like sour. I um, started getting into it when uh, I became friends with my friend Evan Hafer, who uh, runs Black Rifle Coffee. It's like his company. Oh, okay. And he, well, there was a, a guy I had on a podcast a long time ago that was actually a, a coffee expert. What was that gentleman's name again? Giuliano. No. Giuliano, right? Yeah, Peter Giuliano. Very interesting guy, but he's like a legitimate coffee expert. And I always mm -hmm. wanted to, I was, I was like, I like talking to people that just know a lot about one thing. Sure. Like, it's weird, like how much this guy knows about coffee. And he brought a bunch of different coffees to sample. And there's these Ethiopian coffees that tasted almost like, like they were lemony. And you, you're drinking them all black, everything black. Like, he's like, real coffee drinkers drink coffee yeah. black. And so then my friend Evan who runs Black Rifle Coffee, he's a, a real coffee nut. Like, he he literally goes to these places where they grow it and samples mm -hmm. the beans, and, like, they have different kinds of roasts and blends and amazing stuff, and he drinks everything black. And I just started drinking it black. I, it's a, like, I think it's an acquired taste. I've done it before, like, drink, drink it black with nothing in it. Like, if I'm in a hotel and they don't have anything, but... I don't know. I, if the coffee is good quality, then you can. Yeah. For, for me, anyway. But if it's, like, crappy... Like yeah, if they fuck it up, if they don't know what they're doing, they fuck yeah. it up. But even if I go to a diner, I just drink black coffee. Yeah. I like it. I don't know. Maybe I'll get there one day. It's just the thing where, like, I know it doesn't taste good, but it tastes good to me. Like, I okay. like that sort of bitter, warm, liquid taste. I like it. I like tea with nothing in it. I do, too. Yeah, yeah but coffee is real bitter. But tea with honey is better, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't... I don't mind that plain as opposed to coffee is like not great. Yeah. Well, um, I try to avoid sugar as much as possible. And I feel like when I put, even if I put like sweet and low or stevia in something, it makes me want more sweet things. Oh, yeah. I get that. Because I like sweet stuff. You know, of so course. I just, just avoid it mm -hmm. whenever I can. Definitely. That's why I try and cut sugar out because I'm like addicted to it. Everybody is. I think it's like some people aren't, though. It's like people that could have one or two drinks. Like, I think certain people, like, process everything differently. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. But sugar's in so many things. You don't realize how much you it love is. it and live off of it. Yes. Yeah. But, like, some people could have one cupcake. You right, know what I mean? And then right. some people are like, I need to chase that sugar. Yeah. Have you... You said that you, do you have how many people in your you have many people in your family that have had addictive personalities or addiction issues? Addiction issues, yeah, for sure. Drugs and gambling. Drugs, and, gambling, drinking. Yeah. Food, just like everything. Yeah. And also, I think when your life isn't that great, you look for an escape. So absolutely. You know. Are you worried that as your life gets greater and greater, that you'll have less things to be upset about? No, I think I have a, a, quite a few things to be upset about. <laughs> I think I'll never run out of stuff. My, I asked my therapist if he thought I'd ever be cured, and he laughed at me. He goes, no. Whoa. He's like, absolutely not. Maybe he just wants to keep you there. Maybe, keep but I, I, money. he's not making that much off of me. I think mm. he would ra He's like, I think he'd rather me be like in a good place over getting the little bit of money I give him. Mm. But he's funny. He's really a funny person. Like, because I did think I had a good childhood. And then, like, I started going to him, and he was like, you had a terrible childhood. Like, I literally mm -hmm. said to him, I was like, I thought I had a good childhood because nobody molested me as a kid. 
<laughs> and he was like, no. He's like, actually, if somebody did, they would have been showing you attention. He's like, it would have been better. Like, Whoa. he was joking, though. Right. But I was like, I see what he's saying. Like, yeah, me and my sister were just ignored. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I'll always have stuff to be upset about. Stand-up comedy is such an interesting thing because everybody came from, like, a place of lacking. But right. everybody's thing, like, every, everything that got them to that is different. But the result is the same with all. It's all just, like, how do I figure out how to get these fucked-up ideas into people's heads and elicit a response. Sure. But a lot of comics, you know, have a lot of mental illness. Yeah. Um, fucked up childhoods. Sure. You know, you're pulling like, I feel like my family was always very funny because we were always struggling like financially and just like with different stuff. Mm-hmm. You just kind of always are funny and joking around. That's what I think. Wouldn't you rather prefer fucked up people that joke around a lot to like stuffy people in Connecticut? I mean, it would have been nice if, like, we had money. Like, I think I would have preferred having, like, some, some financial stability. Yeah. In terms of just having, like, laughs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe not now because I do stand up. But, like, yeah, when you're younger. I mean, I also didn't realize how rich people were, too, until I went to college and seemed like people have lots of money. Like, I didn't really realize that as a kid. Yeah. That's probably good. Like Maybe. Even, I think it really fucks people up when they're like, they're poor and they're around rich people, because it's like yeah. right there. In the Bronx, there's like varying degrees. Like when I was growing up, there was like varying degrees of poor. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so like some of my friends' parents did have a house, but like, you're still in the Bronx. It's not like you know, Connecticut or right. But yeah, I didn't really slightly doing better poor. Yeah, you're doing a little bit better. But as a comic, like, God damn it. Like, you know comedy's like the best thing to do. It's so, so much fun. And that's the superpower. Fucked up childhood is the superpower. Sure. <laughs> I see that. But, like, we also did, like, things that were, like, you know, on vacation we would go visit my aunt who was dying every year. Like, that was, a, that was like a vacation from the rest of our awful life. Oh, God. Which is a crazy thing to do as a vacation. Yeah. So. That sucks. Yeah, but as a kid, I didn't realize it sucked. I realize it sucks now. You didn't realize it until you started doing therapy? No, I realized it once I got older and realized, like, we should not be, you know, in a house where someone's dying in the living room. (laughs) You know, like, well, there was, like, her and then another aunt. But, yeah, this is not great. We were going to Crescent, Pennsylvania. That's, like, the worst. So is doing stand-up, is that the most joy you've ever experienced? Sometimes. Sometimes not. When it doesn't go well. I don't know. I think that if I had a lot of money, I might just work with animals. Like, I really love animals. Really? And like, yeah. You would quit doing stand-up? I don't think I'd quit doing stand-up. I think I'd always do it. But I do love, like, helping animals and, like, even people, too, you know? Like, I make a lot of dark jokes, but, like, I think everyone just thinks I'm an awful person. I'm like, well, these are just jokes, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would love to work with animals. Like, rehome animals, like, take, you know, ones in that you can't. Why not partner up with Whitney? Do you know Whitney? Not really. I mean, like, we follow each other on Instagram. but She's awesome. You would love her. Yeah, She's I mean, so I crazy. follow her account. She had, you she... know, that one dog that looked like an alien. What was yeah. the dog's name? I don't Dragon remember. or something? <laughs> Violet. I think it's Violet. But, yeah, so, like, I would love to do that. I wish that stand-up would like, get to a place where I could uh, be afforded a situation like that mm-hmm. to, like, help animals. And Yeah, she's always fostering dogs. She has a horse. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would like it if she fostered me. <laughs> <laughs> she would still take you in. She take... took people in during the pandemic. She she turned her house into like a flop house. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, she's awesome. She had outdoor shows at her house. They were during doing the them pandemic. in they were doing them in New York too. Really? Yeah. In people's yards and stuff. Uh, like Central Park, they did some shows. I did shows on roofs. Like it was just people getting real creative. When did you get back into an indoor club again? What was the first time? How many months out? I don't know. I was doing it about six months after, like outside, and then I think I waited to get vaccinated to do it inside, like the first vaccine, maybe. Did I you have remember. to get vaccinated? You had to to be in those clubs too, right? Yeah, and I think I, I think you had to get. I had to get vaccinated to definitely go to Europe when I went on that tour with Louis. So we. Definitely need, I think, three at that point. But you, had to get a, you had to have a booster to go over there, too? Yeah. You had to have three. And I think the clubs, you might have only needed two, but I'm not sure. God. There were some comics that refused to get vaccinated, too. Yeah. There was a couple of them. But I was like, I mean, when I took the vaccine, I was like, I'm not 100% confident in this. But I was like, but, like, whatever. I do want to work. Yeah. I was like, what am I going to do? Well, a lot of people did that. They made that choice because they wanted to work. And it was yeah. very clear. That it was going to stop you from working, especially in some jobs. You know, a lot of people were forced into it. It didn't really work that good. Yeah. Yeah. What did you did you get vaccinated? No. I got. Which one did I get? Not the Johnson and Johnson. That seemed like the worst one. <laughs> Where it was like one vaccine, and you're like, why is this one vaccine? Yeah, and it's like 65 percent protection, but it's all of it was shenanigans. If you really study the. The actual paperwork on what the studies actually showed versus what they were saying it showed. It, it didn't stop transmission. It didn't. It, one more person in the fucking vaccine group died of COVID. I it, guess my thing is like, so does it work? Like, because we have antibodies now. Like, how does that it work? Works, it works initially. It works initially. And it, 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 like, for a lot of vulnerable people, it probably was a good idea to get vaccinated. Old people, fat people, people that were, uh, that had various diseases yeah uh the problem is it didn't last for very long it didn't last for nearly as long as they wanted and then you'd get your second shot and that didn't last for your, and now unfortunately what they're finding is through this latest study with the cleveland clinic they showed that with their healthcare workers the more vaccines they got the more they got covid interesting yeah well there's a lot of weird things that happen with your immune system when i got very you, sick from the vaccines how bad like there, I think I don't remember which one fucked me up the worst, but like there was a time where I was like home for two, three days where I was like, oh, I'm really sick. I had fever. I was really sick. And then I got COVID and I was really sick from it. But I was I feel like I, I wouldn't get any more. I won't get any more boosters. I, have pe I know people are like, I'm on five. I'm like, great. That's good for you. You know, for some people it's fine. Some people, I mean, it's like any other medication. Some people, they take that medication. They don't have any problems with it. And then other people take it and they get wrecked by it. And that's the problem with making something mandatory, where some people are going to get wrecked by it. Like yeah. really bad vaccine injuries. Those are real. We all know about them now. We've all seen people dropped out of heart attacks that shouldn't mm -hmm. be. And then there's people that it might have saved their lives. It's like that, that's an uncomfortable, like, sort of conversation that people that are against it have to have and people that are pro it have to have like you have to look at the actual data of what really did happen and it's particularly for like non-vulnerable people like children it was not a good idea 
Yeah, I guess I just didn't understand. Like, say you didn't want to get vaccinated and somebody is vaccinated, then why does that matter? Like, if this exactly. person. Because it didn't. Well. I mean, also, there's a huge money to be made off the vaccine. But there was also. also people wanted you to do what they did. I did the right thing. You should do the right thing. You're selfish. You're not doing it. Mm. And I you mean, I guess all, I've heard that, too. It was like the one time in our lives we weren't allowed to be skeptical about pharmaceutical companies. Right. We're skeptical is, over everything else that they produce. We should be. Sure. They have a long history of criminal fines. Yes. They've been fined fucking insane amounts of money for lying about drugs that wind up costing people their lives. What was that? Was it doped up? Dope sick? Dope sick, yeah. Yeah. I didn't say it, but I know the whole story about the Sackler family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at something like that and you're like, yeah, we should be questioning They everything. just paid their way out of it. They paid their way out. They paid their way out of it. Like they gave like six billion dollars, and now, now they can't be prosecuted. And they priced off so much money. Oh God, that's crazy. Billions and billions. You can and lose billions six billion dollars and still be a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, easy. Well, they did that with. Um, there was another um, medication um, that they did, Vioxx, that wind up giving people. It gave a friend of mine a stroke, but it gave like. It killed 60,000, 50,000 people. What is that for? It was uh, an anti-inflammatory medication. It didn't even uh. work well. And they knew it in their in their internal emails. They said there's going to be problems, but we think we'll do very well with this. So they knew that it was going to cause cardiovascular issues with people. They knew it was going to cause blood issues with people and strokes and shit. And they still, still released it. And they got fined, but they got fined less than they made. Yeah, so I think they made That's crazy. twelve billion, and they got fined like five or something silly. Right, like you're that. like I still have the surplus yeah. of billions, something of like dollars. that. I don't, don't quote me on that; those numbers, but it's something to the point where like I could see you made money on this. You still made money. This is like yeah, and it didn't work. It wasn't a good. It was like there was other op, op, there was other uh, available things that worked better. It's just a spooky thing that they can do that. It's spooky, and that people just go along with it. Well, Johnson and Johnson has that lawsuit against their powder. Yeah, like because a lot it has, I guess, talc and maybe some other stuff. And women, I guess, are putting it like you know in their private areas, getting yeah. cancer. So they have a big lawsuit for that. Yeah, what is in it that's giving people cancer? I don't know. Is it just talc? Because I know talc is not great for you. It's like a mineral, right? What is talc? I guess I don't know, but I just know like I used to use Johnson Johnson powder all the time, and I was like, oh, that's like something you would never even think of. Yeah, what is um. What what caused people to get cancer from that? The Johnson and Johnson vaccine was the one I was going to take. I was That's the one Bridget got, I think. The UFC had allocated like uh, 150 vaccines for their employees, and we were doing shows during the pandemic. They had this total bubble situation where you got tested. Okay, what does it say? When uh, well, the talcum powder is linked to cancer, oh, it's important to distinguish between talc that contains asbestos and the talc that's asbestos-free. Talc that has asbestos is generally accepted as being able to cause cancer if it's inhaled. What about um, what? So just go to that stu Go to the lawsuit, Johnson and Johnson cancer lawsuit baby powder. Because it was something with women, right? Yeah. Okay, what is it saying? Mm. So there's some sort of J&J lawsuit? Settlement? Okay. Johnson Johnson said on Tuesday that it had agreed to pay $8.9 billion to tens of thousands of people who claim the company's talcum powder produces products cause cancer, a proposal that lawyers for the plaintiffs called a significant victory in a legal fight that has lasted more than a decade. 
Wow. So are they still using the same talc, though? That's a good question. Maybe they're just telling people don't put it on your hoo-ha. But didn't it say just breathing it in is bad? The propo- yeah, but it, the one with asbestos. So I'm trying to figure oh, out why, okay. why does this have asbestos? The proposed settlement would be paid out over 25 years through a subsidiary which filed bankruptcy to enable the $8.9 billion trust Johnson & Johnson said in court filings. If a bankruptcy court approves it, the agreement will resolve all current and future claims involving Johnson & Johnson products that contain talc, such as baby powder, the company said. So how is talc? It's ovarian cancer. Yeah. Okay, uh, significant victory for the tens of thousands of women suffering from gynecological cancers caused by the J&J's talc-based products. So, but what is in it that's causing cancer? And mesothelioma. I've seen that on Ovarian cancer and mesothelioma. You saw it on what? TV commercials my whole life. Yeah. Right. Do you suffer from mesothelioma? Yeah. Oh, my God. number now. I wonder if it goes right to Johnson Johnson. <laughs> uh, the one thing I was going to ask, uh, I was reading about the appeal for the Sackler thing. Mm-hmm. Five to six million they have to give up. Billion. Billion, I'm sorry. Seven hundred and fifty million is paid out to the individuals. Oh where's God. where's the other five billion oh, going? God. What the fuck is that? Well it's a fine. It goes to the government. Uh, okay. That's good. Listen, we have to deal with our homeless crisis. No There's one's gonna ever trans get... kids don't have homes. Is that an, that's an issue right now? Oh I guess. Yeah. I'm sure. Maybe. I'm sure. They, they, they didn't say they what caused the cancer. They all open up a sanctuary cancer. and taking yeah, all the dogs and all the, the trans kids. For the talc, it says only $2 billion of that 8.9 goes to the plaintiffs. Um, so well, what is it that causes cancer, though? Like, What's it in the talc that's causing cancer? I guess asbestos is, is in it. I guess the asbestos is, is in it? How, is it. how is anybody selling anything with asbestos today? Well, they probably took it out of paint and were like, let's get rid of it this way. <laughs> oh, imagine if that's what they did. No. Who knows? I mean, I think the government's pretty corrupt. <laughs> It, well, there, there's definitely some corrupt people in the government, mm-hmm. without a doubt. And there's definitely a bunch of people that run these corporations that try to figure out how to make money with stuff they have laying around. Sure. It's a New York Times article. I don't see a date, but this says that they know about it since for 129 years. It says Johnson Johnson I mean, feared baby powder's possible asbestos link for years. So there is asbestos in it? What? In 1971, they were recommended to upgrade the quality control. Oh, my God. Look at this. An executive at Johnson Johnson said the main ingredient in its best-selling baby powder could potentially be contaminated by asbestos, the dangerous mineral that causes cancer. He recommended to senior staff in 1971 that the co- company upgrade its quality control of talc. Two years later, another executive raised a red flag, saying the company should no longer assume that its talc mines were asbestos-free. The powder, he said sometimes contains materials that might be classified as asbestos fiber. The carcinogen, which often appears underground near talc, has been a concern inside the company for decades. In hundreds of pages of memos, executives worried about a potential government ban of talc, the safety of the product, and a public backlash over Johnson's Baby Powder, a brand built on a reputation for trustworthiness and health. And it had asbestos in it. That's what it is. They took it out of the paint. I don't think so. I think they're saying it's in the same mines as the talc. But they were like, they let's just, just keep clean it up. Well, we'll just get it from the same mines. They're cutting it just like the Mexican cartels cut the coke with the fentanyl. Yeah. They're cutting it with talc. Like if you have like a bunch of asbestos and you got a little talc is worth 10 bucks a pound or whatever, just cut it in there. Yeah, I would be surprised it's not in there. Yeah. Isn't fentanyl expensive? Why are they mixing stuff with expensive. fentanyl? It's very cheap and it's also um, really potent. So you need a very, very small amount of fentanyl. Right. Well, fuck you up. But I'm sure it's not consistent. They're not, you know, they're not really good at, like, 
testing quality yeah. control. Yeah. And also, I think sometimes they leak fentanyl lace cocaine specifically designed to kill people to target rival gangs. They do it like if one gang is selling coke and they'll, they'll sabotage their supply so that they mm. kill their. There's and a lot people of people stop yeah, buying it from them. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or they use it to target certain people. Interesting. We learned a lot today, Adrian. I did learn a lot. I did too. I did too. I learned about dinosaur piss. Yeah, we're all drinking it. Asbestos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep it episode, out of your privates. That episode of Fear Factor. Mm-hmm. With cum. We learned a lot about your origins of comedy. My origins of learned comedy. Learned about your mom. My mom, yes. You love dogs. Love dogs. I should have brought Marshall. Yes. Next time. Next time we do it. We do all it again? Right. We'll do it yes. again. Okay. Um, you going to be at the club tonight? going to be at the club tonight. Let's fucking Thank go. you for having me. It was fun. It you was were hilarious. Fun. Well, I mean... Thank you for letting me film my special there. My pleasure. That's I'm excited. Be... When Louis texted me, I was so pumped. That's yeah, because we were talking. He was like, "Where do you think you want to do it?" And he was like, "I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure." And then he was like, "What about like Austin?" I was like, "Well, I love Austin." He's like, "Well, what about Joe's Club?" I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, it's a setup to film already too. Yeah, the audiences are great. Yeah, Both it... shows were so fun, and I. Because they were like, which room do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I got to see which one I like, but I like them both. So yeah, they're both different, but really fun. It's the the whole setup is. Louis actually helped me quite a bit. Um, he gave me some really good advice when we were in the middle of construction. He told me to make the stage in the small room smaller. It was larger. They just designed that makes the stage. Sense, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was perfect. What he designed was perfect. He said just cut off four feet on each side. And I was like, yeah, why do we, we don't need it that big? And so we, it was really fun because you could kind of walk around in this, you know, once we had gutted it, you know, you're going, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Yeah. And so Louis came in and I just said, what, you know, what do you think? And he was like, you know, like, make this lower. He's like a good director. Oh, he knows how best. to do all that stuff. I listened to everything he said. Yeah. Every, I took every single piece of advice that he said every recommendation i did do you like one room over the other i love them both they're different the, the little room is really intimate the little room is like you're partying you're having a good time with people they're right there they're on top of you it's yeah. really fun it's it's also very honest like if you feel performative or clunky it yeah. like ugh, it feels gross in that room in the little one yeah in the little room i feel like the little room is freer oh yeah it is but i mean if you do come off clunky yeah. it's more obvious because it's very that. intimate it That's feels true. fake. Yeah. You know? It's just a different room. The other room is... But the other room is pretty intimate, too. The way I describe it is, like, they're both, like, hybrids of the comedy store, uh, original room and the belly room. Yeah. It's like... The, I've never performed there. I've only visited. Yeah. Really? I've, only, I've only gone there to, like, visit. I've never performed there. Next time I go, I'll bring you. All right. Let's party. Let's party. Let's go. What I do like about the big room is that it is intimate because everyone does seem pretty close to you, even though it's, like, yes. a pretty big room. Yeah, it's we it's well designed. We I mean we put a lot of thought into it. We raised the floor. We had the stage set at the perfect height where it's like right at, right at table height. No, not a bad seat in the room. We, we like meticulously went over it for a long time. Yeah. I think too what I think Ari was saying last night is like when you go to some clubs, sometimes like the owner shows up and it's just like it changes the vibe. Yeah. It's like that's not here and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." It's not like you come around and people are like, oh, put that away or let's stop talking about whatever we're talking about. Yeah. That happens in other clubs for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's only a few other clubs that are owned by comics. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about clubs in maybe Manhattan, you know. Right. But that's the thing. It's like you're dealing with – there's like the owners. The owners tell the managers what to do. The managers tell the comedians what to do. Right. So they're still bosses. Yeah. And even though you are the boss, you're the owner. It's not like 
that vibe. No, the vibe is it's for all of us. It's our place. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's very welcoming. Like, I don't know most of the comics. Like, I'm getting to know them, but I felt very welcome there. If you're funny, it's very welcome. If you're not funny, it's very <laughs> it's unwelcoming. Very, if you're not funny, they're fucking brutal. Yeah. It was just, there's a Fair lot enough. of competition for stage time. There's sure. a lot of comics. There's a lot of young people. Yeah, I could see that. You know, all the staff, like, are aspiring comedians, like this door staff, and they all auditioned with their actual comedy to get the jobs. To be the door, like, mm-hmm. to work at the door? Yeah. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, and they get stage time. So they, they get to go up, and they, they go up to showcase nights. There's open mic nights, two nights a week. That's great. Whereas I was interning yeah. for free. Yes, you don't have to do that here. Still not getting a but spot. But then, even more importantly, the Creek in the Cave is right next door. It's right up the street. And then you've got uh, Sunset Room, which is right next door. Sunset, uh, Brian Redband's room, is three doors down. Oh, wow. And the other day, we did a show, like last Thursday, we did a show at my club. And then guys were going back and forth. And Redband's show was sold out, too. And then there's oh, the Vulcan, awesome. which is also just a half a block down. And, you know, they do comedy there, too. And then you also have Cap City, which is in the domain. And you have a bunch of little places like the Velveeta Room. Yeah. And there's a bunch of spots that are all around town and did, all kinds of mics. Do they do shows at Esther's Follies also, right? Yes. Yeah, they do shows. There's a there. lot of good comedy here. Yeah. And the fans are great. Well, they just love the fact that it's here. Yeah. It's like, you know, out of the pandemic, this thing sprung. Yeah. I mean, it really is like a weird thing that happened where we're all like, fuck this. We got to get the fuck out of L.A. Yeah. And I was particularly motivated because my children were at the time 10 and 12. I was like, I don't think I want them growing up in L.A. Like I already dodged that bullet with my oldest daughter. That. It's just creepy. Yeah. It's like there's so much chaos and freaks and it's just ugh. like I got to get out of here. You know, yeah. and then during the pandemic, we had this opportunity to move to Austin. And I was like, I want to do this. And it was a crazy time to do it because I was in the middle of this big Spotify deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole world was shut down and I have everything running smoothly. And I'm like, right. fuck it. Let's uproot. We're going to start from scratch. And we came here and I've never been happier. That's great. And then when all the other comics started coming here, too, and I was like, all right, I think this is going to work. There's a lot of comics here. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's so crazy that everyone's coming here. Yeah. It's like becoming a real hub for comedy. It's so fun. It is fun. Well, that is one of the cool things that you can do with money. You know, if you have money and there's something you really love, like I love stand-up, you can actually do something like that. You can yeah. actually make something happen and make it good for a lot of people. It's not sure. just good for me. It's good for so many comics. Yeah. It's good for the audiences. It's good for the people that work there. It's fun. I mean, it helps the economy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that the whole area is packed now. Yep. It's awesome. All right, Adrian. We'll see you tonight. I'm yes. excited. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Me. Um, and you got a tour coming up. Um, yeah. Come see me on tour. What, what's your website? Uh, AdrianAppalucci.com. Spell that for these people. Cause uh, A-D-R. It's, there's an I in Appalucci. Yeah. Uh, uh, Appalucci's I-A-P-A-L-U-C-C-I. All right. Go see her, folks. She's very funny. I'm really happy to meet you. And, yeah, uh, thank you for having me. This is I'm awesome. pumped to the shows tonight. Yes. Let's go. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.